of Fem Fandom, the podcast that proves no matter what the fandom, you're not alone. I'm Megan, and with me today is... Fern! Kate! I'm Morgan! It's Morgan! Yay! We have a new friend! We're very excited to have Morgan with us today, and in our next episode, you'll get to learn more about Morgan and what she does and what she's passionate about, and we're super excited to talk to her more about that. But today, we're going to be talking to her about the uh, comic series, Why the Last Man. So... Why the Last Man starts in 2002, when every man, mammal, and uh, anything with a Y chromosome everywhere. Not anything. Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think plants. Have, plants have Y chromosomes, but really? they did not die. Yes. Huh. That's interesting. Oh. They talk about it in Dr. Man's mom's place. Spoilers. All right. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so everything with the Y, everything except the plants with the Y chromosome dies. Not a nice death, either. No. <laughs> Very... Bloody. Very brutal. Yeah. Uh, except for two men-type creature things. <laughs> Yorick Brown, who's a human-type creature thing. <laughs> and Ampersand, who's a... Cap- I think a capuchin. Capuchin yeah, monkey. Capuchin yeah. monkey. Obviously, like every other apocalypse story, the rest of society just kind of falls apart when half the population dies, which I think is pretty yeah. valid. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so the story is York's journey to find his girlfriend, Beth, and find a way to save the world. We're going to get a little bit more in-depth, but before we do that, let's get Morgan to give us a quick synopsis of who she is and what she does and why she is so very well suited to talk about this with us today. Because you are. (laughs) I appreciate your confidence. Um, Just kidding. Uh, My name is Morgan Pedraza, and I'm a PhD student at Ohio State University in the Department of English. I study comics and film, and so I spend a lot of time looking at comics, thinking about comics, writing about comics, researching comics, and teaching about comics. So this is definitely my passion and the thing I'm most excited about for most of my life. And actually, Why the Last Man was one of the first comic series that I ever read. Ooh! Oh, how about the beginning that? of my comics journey. That's cool! Cool. Yeah, so I remember telling you that we were going to do this episode and you like completely nerded out about us doing Why the Last Man and that's when I was kind of like okay she has to come on guys oh yeah <laughs> like also it's like I was an e- I've always been an English major and this book is about an English major right all the incredible <laughs> ways that English can help you succeed in a post-apocalyptic world oh yeah heard it here <laughs> <laughs> because ending sentences on prepositions are apparently an issue <laughs> Um, so let's dive in. Uh, Fern did a lot of the research for this episode, so I'm gonna let her kind of guide us through this journey a little bit. Do we just want to start the first book and kind of like meander? Well, yeah, through? I mean, I went through and I did a uh, brief timeline just to like help keep us on track. And spoiler alert: we go off track a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we have just- tracks. <laughs> <laughs> So we were just chugging along in the grass. I mean, it's fine. sometimes I wonder. There's some big topics we can talk about too, like the Amazons and mm-hmm. what all the government stuff. And uh, I thought it was really interesting all the sex work mm-hmm. uh, yeah. aspect of the whole thing, which mm-hmm. was pretty crazy. So uh, yeah, um, I also went through and did the fam fem fandom test the questions the vectal test stuff um, which was kind of fun because it's like is there more than two named women and I'm like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the entire world. There's all the whole book. Uh, everyone. Yes. Ninety nine percent of the characters were women. Yeah. 
I think something like that. Yeah, it was a large, very yeah. large percentage. Yeah. Very large yeah. percentage so, of women um, female characters in this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I didn't know where we wanted to start. We would just start at the beginning. I mean, it's good place uh, yeah, to start. Yeah, I we could start at the beginning. So let's do it. To start. All right. Well, the the plague hits. You know, all the men die, and then Yorick is their main character. He's our hero. You call him a hero. I mean, there is a hero. <laughs> I don't know if we can That's call true. him a hero when there is a hero. Yeah. He's our um, Yorick. I don't know. Yorick, Yorick, yeah, Brown. Yorick. Yeah. yeah. The first book kind of like introduces everybody, so you get like the little pits of like every, where everybody's at in their in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a little bit of what three fifty five's doing, and Hero, and Yorick, and Beth, and all of that. Um, so it kind of sets the scene, but then, uh, I think the first stuff with him is he finds the, or he's trying to leave to go find Beth with Ampersand mm-hmm. and he's wearing the gas mask thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think it's a garbage truck, the girl in the garbage truck, Waverly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he runs across first. Yeah. Well, cause he left New York to get to Washington DC to talk to his mom. That's right. That was he the went very to his mom first, first thing he wanted yeah. to do because he thought that maybe his being alive was genetic and he was hoping that his dad would also yeah. still be alive. So he went to try to go find them. That's and he right. ran into the the garbage truck supermodel. Yep. Garbage Yep, Waverly. Who I think is wonderful because they bring her all the way back around at the very end of the book mm-hmm. of the whole series. She comes back again. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things I love about this is the consistency and the just the timeline. It just keeps everybody moving. It's real nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought this particular character was interesting because she keeps complaining about how this is the only work I could find. I was a supermodel with a contract in Italy and now like I pick She's up dead the- corpses for a can of food a corpse. Like... Yeah. That's her whole job. And I just thought that was such an interesting, like, I don't know, it, it it's like some of the jobs, quote unquote, or, you know, they are jobs, but the things that we pay money for in society today with, you know, a functioning society, when society is no longer functioning the way it does now, would just be completely obsolete. And I don't think I'd ever really thought about yeah. it like that before. Like, what do the supermodels of the world do when, like... There's no... There's no catalogs and yeah. photo shoots and things like that. So I thought that was really cool. I also thought it was kind of badass that she was just like, well, I'm going to find work now and I don't care what I'm doing. I'm going to make this happen. Slinging dead bodies right. yeah, into a garbage truck of yeah. all things. Yeah. 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 And along that, it's interesting because like, you know, so I think about history wise and I'm a big sports fan as some of you guys, you guys know, you know how like during war times when all the men are overseas you know, which is the closest thing that we have historically to something like this, we had the female baseball teams. Well, in this comic, they make a nod to there being, they turning sports places into fast-pitch softball uh, Mm -hmm. stadiums. And I was like, hell yeah, yeah, you did. (laughs) We have some sort of entertainment that's not just, like, I thought that was a very cool thing as well. Yeah. This first book, when he meets his mom, is also setting up uh, the ideas of what the government in the United States is looking like at this Mm. time. Which I just thought was so great because it was such a, like, eye-opening thing. So the office of the president falls to the Secretary of Agriculture because every other person in the succession line before her was either a man or died in an accident because they were in a place where a man was... I think the one lady that could have possibly taken it was in a a plane crash because there was a male pilot. And, like, I think that, realistically, we all kind of know that 
our government and a lot of these important jobs like pilots and drivers and things like that are all pretty male dominated. But I don't know if I ever quite like thought of it that way where it was like, huh, if something was to happen, where would the first woman in the succession line fall? Because right. mm-hmm. it might be as far down as Secretary of Agriculture. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was funny. I also uh, thought the whole Republican thing. Oh, when they pulled up in the van with guns? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they were like, you're taking over the government because all of the females that survived, there were only three female Republicans. The rest of them were Democrat. So suddenly, the Democratic Party, like, vastly outnumbered the Republican Party and all the Republican Party's... Like, the men, the wives were all upset yeah, because they felt like they should be able to take their husband's, husband's places, yeah. which I think there is some historical context for that, but usually mm. it's done in, in an election where it's like someone passes away and then there's an election and it has happened that the wife has won the election, but, like, yeah. it was just a very odd premise of, like, yeah, we just show up and suddenly we're in government now, right? That's how this works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but... There's also, like, that moment that's kind of, like, a nod towards um, Republican perspectives on gun control, too. Mm-hmm. When they they attempt to storm the White House and the woman accidentally shoots and kills, um, she murders the Secret Service agent. And her first reaction is, like, my finger slipped. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to. Mm-hmm. And so the, the beginning of the politics, the way that the creators have set it up, is very much, like, reflecting on still how those kind of lines of perception that we historically and even now associate with particular party lines are being like played out even mm-hmm. in post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. society. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that, and I'm making a lot of inferences here, but it's a comic, so you kind of have to read between the lines and assume things as you're building, as you're thinking about how the story would work. It's just kind of interesting because, you know, a lot of Republicans are very against like any sort of gun control laws that would mandate classes or mandate, like, restrictions or anything like that. So it was just interesting to see that someone who had no gun experience suddenly had control of a gun and then something bad happened. But this is the thing that, you know, stereotypically Republicans are fighting against is anyone should be allowed to have a gun at any time, no matter what their, you know, experience level or capability or any of that stuff is. And then we're kind of seeing the direct consequences of that line of thinking of like, oh, I fought for pro-gun rights, but now that I have a gun in my hand, something really bad has happened and now I feel... Because obviously she was upset about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it kind of like set off this domino effect of everybody being like, well, now we have to kill you and we have to do this and we have to do that. And it just kind of like... I think this series has really interesting ideas of justice and we get farther into that i think in the next book when they go to to is it marysville or marysville marysville every time i see it i pronounce it as marysville because marysville is like a place in ohio i'm sure marysville is too i don't know i've never looked that up i'll look it up i'm curious marysville marysville if it's an actual place in ohio i'm looking because marysville yeah has a prison near it so i'm wondering if it's a play off of actual town Marysville or I think all of the cities and towns in the story are actual ones so it wouldn't surprise me if there was a real Marysville. A Marysville. Marysville. Yeah. Not necessarily finding one. Hmm. So maybe it is? Maybe it is. But maybe it's a... Why not just put Marysville in? Maybe because it's too small? Because like with places like DC and New York they're so big that you kind of get a little bit of artistic license to like 
make things up within them. I guess. Whereas uh, with like Marysville, you would feel more like you needed to stay true, true to the to what it is yeah. because yeah. maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. my guess. Also, it also just might be that they were like, "Oh, small town in Ohio. We don't need an actual place in Ohio. We just need it to be a small town in Ohio." Oh, Whereas, like DC I mean, has to be DC, yeah, New York true. has to be New yeah. York, and stuff like that. Yeah, it is made up. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the only thing that's coming up for Marisville is Why the Last Man. Oh, so. all right. There we go. All right. Well, interesting. There we go. The more you know. Within the first, I think it's the first ten books. Is this uh, the first ten comics? See, I got the big books from the library, so it's mm-hmm. like. Comics 1 through 10, I think, is in this first one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, 1 through 10. So you, we also get to meet the leader of the Amazons, Victoria. Victoria. Mm-hmm. And we get to start seeing that happen. She was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, the whole uh, cut off the, the one boob thing, mm-hmm. because that way you can draw the bow. Right. Was an interesting add-on to that, like, a cult. Yeah. That she started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To really denote, like, who is a member and who is not. Because mm-hmm. that's not something you can hide, really. Mm-hmm. Not at least any, not with any, like... I mean, I guess you could wear a bra and stuff one side of it, but I still don't I think I think Hero be... says something about that in one of the later books. She's yeah. like, I feel like a 14-year-old with socks stuffed in my bra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but you get to see uh, Victoria and how she uh, how she gets these women to become part of her cult by... Giving them food and having them do stuff for her, and you know, I thought it was so interesting that she kept trying to say, "Oh, I'm not like the patriarchal leaders." At one point, she literally says, "The queen and the pawn go back in the same box after the game is over," or something like that. And it was just so interesting because I was like, "But you are, yeah, you're doing exactly the things that you're like railing against." And also the the mentality of that group is just very strange. Like, it's just... Yeah, because they were um, raiding sperm banks and burning and destroying the sperm and trying to get rid of anything and everything that had to do with males and uh, anything that was like a phallic object. I think they, mm-hmm. they go up to the, the Washington Monument at one point or they were... Uh, yeah, they were tagging, tagging it. it and stuff. Because the, and... the Washington Monument, the most phallic monument in D.C., well, there was, was a memorial to men. To <laughs> which is I just really love 355 going, guess. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, which one? <laughs> this is so funny. Oh, and that's what another thing I like about this whole series. It's very serious. It has all these very serious themes and, and things in it, but also there's that, that tinge of humor that you get throughout it, especially with Yorick because he's just such a goofball. Yeah. Um, he's also so oblivious. Like, yeah. just so oblivious. And it just... Sometimes I'm just like, how did you exist in the world before this? Yeah. Like, how did women just not constantly smack you? Well, I mean, that his girlfriend Beth went to Australia and then was going to break up with him on the phone. So, yeah. like, you know, he was going to have a rough time of it. And then he yeah. had a real rough time of it for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about Victoria and the Amazons and kind of what they kind of represent in, like, a larger historical context. And I was thinking about them as kind of an extreme version of what people perceive to be second wave feminism, mm-hmm. right? And so part of what this this world allows is kind of a playing out of different types of feminisms and p- putting them against each other to kind of 
see how different people who pers- who are essentially all working towards the same goal really can be divided by mm-hmm. by their values and goals mm-hmm. and their perceptions of social and cultural expectations. And so the Amazons kind of become this like kind of extreme version of second wave feminism that also echoes kind of um, thinking about like comics history during this time in the 60s and 70s was when underground comics were really blowing up. And you had tons of underground women who not only had been pushed aside by the mainstream cartoonist world, but also even in underground comics became kind of pushed aside. And so at in the 60s and 70s, during when kind of second wave feminism was kind of becoming its own thing, these women started creating comics that were very extreme. And the purpose was to kind of highlight like how extremes can happen Mm -hmm. and those cartoonists weren't necessarily advocating for this extreme behavior but they were interested in like pushing really the boundaries of what like women's rights could look like in different ways and so i think that the amazons being this kind of very extreme version of that is kind of playing out in the same way like how we think about different movements and like kind of what happens when you take a position and you push it to its absolute extreme. Mm-hmm. Because so much of Queen Victoria's dialogue is about eradication. Like Fern was saying, I know, like burning up the sperm banks. You know, I mean, t- I think t- the tagging of the Washington Monument was like the least extreme of all of the <laughs> well, things. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised they weren't like blowing it up um, and yeah. attacking the people who were there to um, pay their condolences, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I it, Yeah, it was a weird... I don't know, I guess if that was a situation that you ended up in, though, where, like, every man that you've ever known or loved is just suddenly gone, you might want a place that is big and visible to go and be with other people who are also dealing with that same thing. Because sometimes just being with a small group of people isn't enough. And that's, you know, same reason we do, like, vigils and and things like that when, like, tragedies happen. So it's, it's, like, the same kind of idea. I thought the other thing that the Amazons did that we haven't really talked about yet is they were going around and they were killing trans men as well. Which, on the one hand, was like, well, then you're validating. Not Mm. that they need your validation, but you are validating that, like, oh, yes, you are a man. But then on the other hand, like, you're killing them just for that. Right. And, like, it was just such a weird thing in my head when I was reading it that I was like oh this is great we're like accepting people for who they are but then also like we're doing these horrible things just because of people's you know sex and like that or their gender identity and like that is just such a ugh I don't know yeah it's still just as bad as the things we as women deal with today and it's so weird to like read it in this way as especially as a feminist because it's like right but we deal with this every day and now that the shoe is on the other foot we're supposed to feel bad for you like Mm -hmm. mm, so there was a lot of warring in my head between like feeling bad for the main character Yorick of like yeah these are really bad things that are happening to you this really sucks but then on the other hand being like but this is life for us (laughs) (laughs) like real everyday life some of this stuff is happening to people I do feel like, though, as much as I love this book and will continue to encourage people to read it all of the time, (laughs) (laughs) that there were times where it truly failed to acknowledge, like, the, like, spectrum of gender and sexuality. That it, there were times where I felt like it, even at the same time that it was trying to um, critique cultural and social expectations, that it, it somehow managed to, like, 
further the divide between like mm-hmm. who gets to be who gets to live and what rights they get and who you know who gets killed like mm-hmm. literally murdered all of the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think they had a couple of opportunities where they could have brought up some good stuff there's one i think it's in the second or third book where they're trying to get on a train and york runs across bobby we find out her name's bobby later mm-hmm. um but she they talk about beards and how to stick it on and use your own hair clippings so it looks real and stuff like that and um she's like no i'm not one of those you know tra-, she says trannies i think you know i'm just just doing it for the sex work so i think they they missed a spot where they could have been like oh yeah no this is who i am you know or something mm-hmm. they could have brought that up and then the the traveling playgroup, the fish and bicycle, oh. fish and, yeah, the fish and bicycle playgroup. There were a couple of characters in there, especially I think the le- the leader who had short hair and wore the suits and stuff. They could have done something with that as well, um, but they never ever said anything about it. They just kind of was like, oh, that's just what she does. How much of that do you think is based on when these comics were written, and how much of that do you think is them just not seeing the opening that was there? Hmm. I think there's a third option to this too. Also just that. to throw it in real quick before we we discuss that. I think the third option is they needed a binary in order to explore the ideas that they wanted to explore because making it less than a binary suddenly makes it hard to dictate what's happening. I don't necessarily think that's right, but I think that also might have been part of the choice that was made here was we need to to show this like dichotomy between these two groups of people. Now, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I think there was a way to write it while still showing a spectrum, but that might also be something that yeah. was was thought of when they were creating the comics. And the first book came out in 2002. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the early aughts. So, maybe mm-hmm. time does... To say that was 18 years ago? <laughs> oh, wow. Good lord. <laughs> Ouch. 18 oh. years ago? I hadn't graduated college yet. Or oh. high school yet. Oh, I was God. in middle school. <laughs> oh, yeah, ladies. in 2002 I would have been in middle school as well. Ladies. Yeah. Mm. I would not have been able to read these books at Me this time either. in my life in 2002. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. But uh, just like thinking back to that time, like I don't feel like a lot of what we see as just like common acceptance now, or at least in our group, in our group of friends, is a commonly accepted concept of, yeah, you can have whatever gender identity, sexual identity that you want. We don't really give a flying fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, just don't hurt anyone in the process. I think a lot of that movement was still in its infancy. infancy. Right. Infancy, that's a hard word. Like, uh, in the early aughts. I was going to say, we were still hearing certain slurs that are now, like, yeah. entirely not acceptable. Yeah, the early aughts was definitely the time of using that's gay. As right. a slur and a synonym yeah. for stupid or... Right. You it, know. Like, the R word became not okay, so then everything became, well, that's gay. And I'm like, well, well that's also not okay. None of these things are okay. Well, the R word was also barely not okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, You was... know, you can see that in the writing of the books. It's it's in there all over the place. And oh, every time man. my skin crawls. Me too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yes. talk about how a white man writing a book about women, writes about the identity of a black woman. Yes. Um, Please, can we talk about that? Because, you know, you can, there are people who make the claim that they're trying to represent something authentically, or I don't know. There are other things that people say. But it's important to recognize when you're in a position of power, as this, you know, as Brian K. Vaughn was writing this, and writing about someone who has 
a who's in a position of like double minorityness, actually triple potentially, um, and then going on and using language that is a derogatory and slurs and not really acknowledging or talking about what effect that has. And then at the end to have Yurik respond with these phrases is like a double problem. When I saw that Yurik used the N-word, I was like, oh, dude, you can't, no! In no way, shape, or form. Like, it was problematic already with uh, 355 using it because the writer is not in the in-group. Yeah. It's not his word to use. Nope. Even if he's trying to portray someone who is on the in the in-group, it's still not his word to use. And then to have Yurik <laughs> use it, oh my god, I like I had to walk away from my phone for a minute. Well, because I was reading it on my phone. Like I had to walk away from my phone and be like, I need a minute. I'm gonna go play Minecraft because I need to chill the fuck out. <laughs> also, like what purpose does it serve? None. Does it advance any sort of narrative? Does it do anything for anything that's happening? No. It's mm-hmm. a casual use of this incredibly offensive word that mm-hmm. even in 2002, you know, Brian K. Vaughn should not be writing that down mm-hmm. in another character's mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On this same vein, when I first read this comic, I had a lot of squidgy feelings about this is a man writing this book about what it would be like to live in a world of all women with experiences that he knows nothing about. And it feels like all of these, like, dystopian stories are written from the perspective of straight white men. Although I'm not 100% sure Brian K. Vaughn is straight. I'm making an assumption, but I'm pretty sure he's married. I can't remember for certain, but I'm pretty sure he is. So, like, it's always weird. Um, One thing that was pointed out to me a long time ago, because everybody's like, oh, if the world was ending, it'd be like Lord of the Flies and all these other, you know, dystopian novels where society would just crumble and blah, blah, blah. And someone was like... Yeah, but is that a dystopian society or is that what would happen to straight, white, rich men? And that kind of blew my mind because I was like, oh, there really aren't any stories written from the other side. Well, then you go back to Marisville Mm -hmm. and Marisville is full of inmates who are just by the nature of it. There was a much higher POC population in that area just based on the nature of them being inmates. Unfortunately, that's just the way that the prison system works these days. Mm. And so there's a higher number of POC women in this area that were already incarcerated. The only reason that they're even in this area is because their their captors were willing to let them out because they were like, we're all fucked anyway, so have fun, y'all. And to see them able to create almost this utopia, not dystopian, but utopian society... I think that adds credence to that argument of mm-hmm. that's what would happen to rich white men. Yeah. Although the one thing that did kind of bother me is that they they took it to the extreme to make that utopia. Like, they were like, hey, let's take the quote-unquote worst people of society and have them be the ones that make the utopia. Instead of, like, all the other women that you run into, for the most part, are willing to kill each other and, like, steal from each other and do all these bad things. You don't find very many many pockets of this, like, nice society where everybody was just like, you know what, we're just going to work together to make something good happen. This was one of the very few examples of that. But then it seemed like they were like, we're going to pick an extreme group of people to show, like, how this could happen. I don't know. It just seemed very, like, mm, disingenuous, I guess. I don't know. It's, it felt like they were playing with something there that I wasn't super happy with. Like, 
we were also making points about the prison system and incarceration and like the one lady that was like yeah I killed my husband or the girl who was like well I was cooking meth for me and my boyfriend and then he was selling it on the side and didn't tell me and he ratted me out and I got 10 years and he got 15 months and like Mm -hmm. those kinds of things that like our prison system is just broken but also you were you were basically saying that like there's no other parts of society where this thing can happen it is only when you have these people who were in the worst of circumstances, will they then turn it around and make this, like, quasi-utopian place? I don't know that that's how I read it. I think Mm. the way I read it is that they were already in the practice of having to work together with people that they didn't know or like or really have all that much in common with, necessarily, because Mm. of the nature of being incarcerated together. Whereas everyone else is used to just being able to do their own thing, and then all of a sudden, like, someone's threatening that, and, well, I'm gonna fight like hell to protect my thing. Yeah. You know, and, like, how that, as well as, this is one of the first stops we get to after DC. Mm-hmm. So it's very soon after the death of all the males, and so it's very, I don't know. I want to say, like, it's only a couple months, Yeah. It? Like, so when we get when we get to this point. It like, would have been one of those situations where they already, ha- they just kind of had a jump start on it because of the nature of where they were yeah. living. I think if I think it's a bit of a disservice to show nothing similar to that later on down the road, like five years later, as we get into that part of it, where there's not as much of a utopian type thing, or like, we still see women being crazy Mm -hmm. to each other. Which, like, that's gonna happen. Yeah. It's dystopia. Like, in a breakdown of any normal society, you are going to have people who go to the extremes to make sure that them and theirs are taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it is a thing. But also, we should have more examples, like you're saying, mm-hmm. of these places that may not be as far along as Marisville is, but at least have, like, some sort of community. Because I don't know if it's necessarily realistic to, st- to say that... When faced with a world without men, women wouldn't come together and create communities to help each other out. And I don't feel like we see a lot of that. We see it with this. We see it with the the play group, I think, does it. We get a little bit of it from the girl who's talking about how a bunch of musicians are getting together in the UK to bring music back, which I thought that was super cool. But yeah, I, I mean, I like Marisville. I think it's a very interesting... I really like it for the the play that it does on, like, the American justice system. Like, mm-hmm. all of this mm-hmm. is totally fucked. And the the words that come out of his mouth when he finds that out was another time where I was just like... Well, he apologizes. He comes back around. He does. But here's the thing. But Had I, none of this happened, would he have ever come around to that? Probably not. But, I mean, that's that just plays into being a human and having experiences and growing from your experiences. If you don't go out and have experiences, then you don't grow and learn and change from them. So he had this experience, he learned a thing, and he grew. Yeah. But that, um, I think that's the thing that frustrates me is, like, how many people are going to go out and seek out those types of experiences with well, inmates, with people who are incarcerated, to learn those stories and understand how broken it all is, and that these are good people in bad circumstances that had bad things happen to them. Well, like, and that's, I mean, that's just, and if you can't physically go places, that's why stories comics, books, movies, Mm -hmm. are important to be able to tell those stories and to get that information out there to people who can't make those journeys or who are too young or too old to do that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think showing York having that split second reaction of, oh, you're inmates, oh, you're horrible, Um, and but then learning and changing because they were kind to him and they they backed him up when Hero showed up to kill him, you know, like that showed like his growth and change and you could see it. He was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Even after all the things I said... 
and I forget the old woman's name right now, but she's like, yeah, because we take care of our own. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not going to let you go out there and just get slaughtered by right. these Amazons. <laughs> and he changed from that, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. York does a lot of changing. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> if you read nothing. the first book, and then you read the last one, you're like, oh. He's uh-huh. a very different yeah, person. Yeah, a very different person. And I was telling Kate earlier, the, the art also shows that. If you mm-hmm. look at the first book, he's all like clean and like there's no like he's kind of pudgy. He's, he's a baby. He's based. a baby. Yeah. And then you get to the last book and you're like, oh, and not like the old man part of the last book, but, right? You know, when he's you know in his thirties or whatever, and you're like, oh, you know. Yeah. So because the course of the book is from the first one to the last, uh, well, till he you know till he finds Beth is five years. It takes him five years to find her. Well, also she was in Australia, right? Like but, imagine, yeah, but like. I just think that's that's crazy. Like that's a long time, and yeah. we only get these pieces and parts of their mm-hmm. journey. We don't get the whole thing, right? Uh, do you have the thing uh, tabbed for the statistic on how many of the female pilots there were? When I the have world... the stats. I have it. Do you have it? I have posty notes in the. I, I, I'm like over there in all your posty notes. <laughs> My posty. I was just curious because if you think about it, like five years, if you only have what's the percentage <laughs> or the. 95% of all commercial pilots, truck drivers, and ship captains died. 95%, 95% of all pilots, ship captains, ship captains and, truck drivers. and truck drivers. So 95% of all, like, traveling mm-hmm. yeah. infrastructure is gone. Yeah. And to think about that, there's only 5% left. Of that 5%, there's maybe, what, less than 1% that are probably female pilots? Well, that, I think the statistic is for, like, 5% are... Oh, you mean like between right, truck drivers? Exactly. And, yeah, okay. Because yeah. like there, I I would think that it would be. I I have no idea. I've never mm-hmm. driven a semi truck. I was probably very like, hard. These stats are in a comic book. I'm assuming that they're pretty close. I think, uh, I think that considering how committed um, the creators were to historical context yeah. and like putting history and like real information in, I bet it's that they close. did a lot of research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was bonkers, because then I'm sitting there mm. thinking about that, and it's like, okay, so of that 5%, that's split between three groups, even if you do that, like, a straight split, that's, like, what, 1.5% for each? 1.3. At the uh, at the end of the whole 1. stats page, it's 100% of Catholic priests, Muslim imams, and Orthodox Jewish rabbis are gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because you can't have... Yeah. Same thing with, like... FLDS and like LDS mm. and there's lots of yeah. religious organizations where pretty much the entire structure would be just completely wiped out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fifty-one percent of the planet's agricultural labor, for- labor force is still alive. Ninety-nine um, percent of all mechanics, electricians, and construction workers are Man, gone. That's nuts. None 100%. of none of the United States' nearly two hundred thousand female troops have ever participated in ground combat. Australia, yeah. Norway, and Sweden are the only countries that have women serving on board submarines. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, I don't know what you would necessarily need a submarine for in the dystopian com- future. But... Yeah, but it comes in play in the story. I think that's why that's they put true. it in there. Because it comes in play later. But uh... but also, like, that's crazy to yeah. think about that, like, we live in a country where they claim that women are equal to men, but there's not a woman on a submarine it's... anywhere. I think there is now... But I think but at the time. But at the time. And I think it's still very rare because, like, if you think about it, you're going to put this metal canister with people in it into the deep ocean where most of the population on there is going to be male. And you put, like, three female 
Yeah, it's just... It, it, uh, probably not the safest situation for them to be in. For, yeah, for anybody, really. Until society changes more, it's probably not a good idea. Yeah. Um, so I kind of understand that. It sucks. Maybe you could do an all-female sub. I don't know. Yeah. Right? So they're doing an kick all... kick ass, right? They're doing an all-female mission to Mars, I want to say? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's to Mars. I think they're going to try and put some females on the moon. Maybe. Yeah. My dad oh, no, worked. they canceled that one. My dad works for NASA. Oh, yeah. Mm. They canceled that trip. Yeah. That mission to Mars. Or mm. the moon. The moon? They yeah. canceled that? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. What? Is there bad weather on the moon? <laughs> no. Um, I guess something happened storm, that guys. one of the ladies they wanted to send couldn't do it, and then because of that, they were like, well, just scrap the whole thing! And that was it. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but <clears throat> I'm pretty sure I saw that that was no hmm. longer going to happen. Interesting. So dumb. But also yeah. the amount of people that were like, why do we need to send ladies to the moon? And I'm like, why do we need to send a man to the moon? Because it's like... Let's also, just do it. the amount of research that we have on, like, sex <clears throat> on deep space on women, <clears throat> if your plan <clears throat> really is, oh, that we're going to let this planet burn and go take over another one, don't you think that... 51% of the population, we might need some stats on what that's going to do to their bodies. Maybe? Yeah, that might Possibly. be. Possibly? Yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind that the United States um, Department of Health did not have a gynecological unit until the 90s. What? I'm sorry. Seriously? <laughs> Holy shit. Did you guys know that most of our oh, medical on. knowledge is based off of the male body and then just scaled down for women? Like, it's literally not based off of female anatomy. It's Uh. just, like, if you need a certain type of medication, we take what we would prescribe a man, and then we scale that down slightly because you're a lady. And that's it. There's no, like, there's no research on on how that interacts with the female body, even though we have totally different hormones and organs and makeups and our bone density is different. Like, literally, we are very different. But there's no studies on that. that. Also, a friend of ours was over on Friday night and told me that she was reading about a study that was done about ovarian cancer. You want to know who they chose as test subjects? What? Men! What? They chose men as How? test subjects. How is that for possible? For a drug for ovarian cancer. I have no idea. What the actual fuck? <laughs> I have no clue. I was like, I don't even understand how this is possible. Somebody out there, please find all that research and send it to us so we can <laughs> figure out what's going on. I heard about it too, so it, like it's out there somewhere. That's but, like, crazy. It was bonkers. What the shit? But it just cracks me up that like so much of this was not things that had, like it's Things that I know. I know there aren't a lot of female mechanics. I know there aren't a lot of female pilots. I know there aren't a lot of females in governments. Like, I know that. Yeah. But then looking at the numbers and realizing that, like, 90-something percent of that would be gone. Yeah. It's insane. It's nuts. It's insane. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, you know, we got on this whole train of thought talking about how long it took York to get to Australia Mm -hmm. and find Beth. If you think about it, if there is 1.5 percent of pilots mm-hmm. uh, left. How many of them were actually in the air and landed their their aircraft safely? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? Yeah, the whole airline thing. 355 was on an airplane when it went down, right? Oh, really? In the I beginning? think right? so. I mean, look. Oh, yes. Yes, because yes. her pilot, her her pilot, pilot died. died. Yeah, she, she was in the air. It, yeah, she? she landed it. Yeah. But, like, like but it was a, it was a she is. like, personal <laughs> aircraft, though. It wasn't, like, yeah. a passenger Yeah, but aircraft. still, like, if you think about it, like, all of, all the, the pilots that were up there, like, yeah, all the men died. But, like, in when you have an event like that, 
there's going to be a lot of other casualties. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, tons of... The car of... crashes on the yeah. highways, the yeah. airplanes falling yeah. out of the sky, the... Well, other Beth was a, a flight attendant. That's remember? right. And so she um, other Beth. had to so land her plane mm-hmm. and was, like, beating herself up over the fact that she, she... didn't do it correctly. But it's and like, she saved, were... what, two or three other women, I yeah. think. Yeah, and that was about it. Yeah. I'm like, you're a fucking flight attendant. You don't have pilot school. Like, yeah. do not beat yourself up over this. You saved, like, three people. <laughs> That's a huge fucking zero. zero. Also, how crazy is that to think that, like, you could be on a plane and there could be only two people on that entire plane that know how to operate it. Mm. Reasons I drive everywhere. Well, like, I don't know. That just didn't occur to me until just now. Like, there's lots of other people on that plane that, like, work for the airline, but there could potentially be only two people on that entire plane. That could land it. It's crazy. We, we can cut this out, but did you say that character's name was 355? Yeah. yeah. Is that a nod to th- Flight 355? No, no. It's based off of a potentially historical slash potentially fictional actual agent who was a woman. Okay. Oh. I don't know much. I, it, it, it clicked in my brain and I looked it up and there was a flight 355 that was hijacked by five fighters for free Croatia. Hmm. When was that? Uh, 1976, I think it said. Interesting. She said there was an actual spy, 355? Yes. Yeah, so yes, tell us about um, that. The Kolpogering, so I did just a little bit of research on this. So, Agent 355, whose real name we literally never find out, which is very heartbreaking, mm-hmm. is a member of the Kolpogering, which was a spy ring created under the orders of George Washington in 1778 during the British occupation of New York City at the height of the Revolutionary War. And Agent 355 was potentially a code name that just meant a woman. And there was some stipulation, interestingly, they also tie this into the narrative, that the the 355 identity originally was a woman named Anna Strong. And there is some stipulation about, one, whether this actually ever existed, two, whether Anna Strong ever actually existed. But there is a, a narrative that exists that she also gave birth to a baby boy immediately before she died on a ship. Oh, wow. So there's actually, like, a ton of history about these characters. And, like, mm-hmm. they actually, that's why I think the research on, um, you know, the numbers, I think I would have more confidence that they actually did the, the, the research to find out what those numbers really were. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That is really cool. That's really cool. I didn't even think about to think of, like, look up those numbers. I was just like, ah, they're just giving numbers out. I you know, 1030, like, 7-Eleven, like, yeah, <laughs> 1030, 10-30, 10-33, like, I didn't even think about, like, yeah. that's cool. Well, and weren't all the male agents prime numbers yes. as well? Mm. And so it would have been, like, only the males would be the prime numbers, and then from there, and then they called them primes, and I loved it because Yorick made a, a Transformers joke, and yep. I'm just sitting there like, "Oh, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just kind of assumed that the Culpa Ring was either a made-up made thing or, like, such a either small blip in history that no one really knew anything about it. So that's really cool that you found all of that. That's really that neat. is really neat. So yeah, that's the other thing that we do. We're still in the first book. <laughs> we've kind of jumped we've, around. We've a kind little. of moved a little bit. We've moved a little bit. Um, we've moved a little bit. Uh, we get we meet Agent Three Fifty Five. We don't really get much about her other than we get like little. Blips. We don't get a lot of her backstory until like the second or like in, or, further, yeah. further, further back yeah. into like the thirties. But we stuff. do meet her in the in the first. I think first the first book, book yeah. or the second book. 
Or, yeah, the first book. It's the first book. And then we also meet Dr. Mann yes. in the first book. Dr. Allison Mann. Dr. Mann, in the beginning of this, like, when the plague hits, is having her own baby clone. Yes. What she claims. Yes. I think it turns out later that that's not true, right? It, it, it was it her is. clone. Yeah. Right, but it wasn't hers, right? Yes, wasn't it, it was. Her, it oh, was I thought her. it was her yeah. daughter's. She doesn't have no, any daughter. she doesn't have any daughters. Um, it was hers. She claimed when they came and they found her initially that it was her nephew because she thought that she thought that 55 was there to kill her for unleashing un- the plague. Yeah, yeah. But um, she and so she thought she would save her life by having some altruistic motive of my nephew is sick and I need to clone him to get his bone marrow to be yes. a good match, you know, and all that. But the reality is, and that what we find out later is that she cloned herself, but it miscarried and it didn't take um and so she ended up being really sick from it yeah all right and that's part of the reason why she flip-flops between saying that she was having a daughter and having a son Mm -hmm. and that's when like is the line that allows them to kind of finally find out what actually happened Mm -hmm. i couldn't remember for sure i was reading i i read this a while ago and then i was reading back through it before i didn't quite get all the way through before we had to record so i was like i can't remember if like her daughter had died and she wanted to like clone her daughter because she missed her or if like yeah. I think that's a storyline in another comic. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think that might be X23. I don't remember. <laughs> um, but I thought Dr. Mann was really interesting because she 100% believed that it was her fault. Yeah, when the that clone the plague had happened and I just thought like this was another interesting thing. Like, this was a big thing in the early aughts. Cloning. Because wasn't mm-hmm. that when, like, Dolly and the cat whose name I can't think of? Calico? No. There was a cat. It was adorable. They cloned a cat. Like, all of that stuff yeah, was happening. all the cloning was coming out. Yeah. And China kept saying, well, we're really close to doing a human clone. And everybody was freaking out because mm-hmm. that is not okay. We should not clone humans. And there's an argument to that. I don't think it's the argument that most people make that I tend to believe in. I don't like the idea of cloning people because I don't want there to ever be a situation where someone rich can make a person for spare parts, basically. That is where my ickiness comes in. Isn't that a movie? Uh, Altered Carbon plays with that a lot. Oh, that's such a good show. It's a great show. Uh, It's also a book, and the author is apparently extremely homophobic. Oh. Because we can't like anything without some creator being a jerk anymore. Uh, You can like their creation, but not the creator. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. But yeah, Altered Carbon plays a lot with that, where you can just, like, grow a body to transfer your consciousness into, and then, like, you can just hack it up for parts. But, like, to me, that's the thing about cloning that makes me very worried, because... That is not a far-fetched yeah. idea that someone with lots of money would just be like, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just thought that was very interesting because all of these ideas about, you know, religion and God and cloning and all of these things were kind of getting wrapped up yeah. into Dr. Mann's storyline, which I thought right. was really neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a spot at the beginning of the 11th book, which I think is hilarious, uh, where they talk about the word fuck. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. but fuck can't be in a comic book. You can't write fuck in a comic book. And, you know, they can say fuck in a comic book? <laughs> it's in a comic book! Yeah. Yeah. It killed me. It's so funny. It's very meta. Yeah, I love, there's a couple other spots where they're a little bit meta throughout the story. And it, it it's, I love it. It cracks me up. I love when things break the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. It brings they, me so much joy. Yeah. Well, like Morgan <laughs> keeps putting it, or pointing out, they did a really good job of making things like, feel very real it was like you voted for hillary didn't you and then like talking about the superman comics and then like they made it like 
this is a world that you have lived in and you remember these things. And like, it almost feels like alternate timeline-y. You know what I mean? Like, oh man, if that plague had hit Earth, I could be going through this right right now. And I thought that was really neat just to have that thought of like, this could be happening somewhere else. I don't know. I really like the thought of alternate dimensions because I'm like, there's an alternate dimension where there's a Megan who doesn't have depression and I'm really happy for her. (laughs) (laughs) That Megan is living life, man. (laughs) Sometimes that just makes me happy where I'm like, there's an alternate universe where that Megan is doing all the things that I wish I could do. And you know what? In some small way, it means I'm doing it too, right? Absolutely. <laughs> right? 100%. Good for that, Megan. Good for that, Megan. Collective consciousness and all that. Yeah. It totally goes across. Right. Turn- <laughs> <laughs> well, the next, the next stuff we get into in the books is um, them trying to find and rescue the astronauts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they find uh, Natalia, the Russian, uh, who's... I know. I love her. <laughs> Morgan's like, yes. I love her so much. She's amazing. Right. She does so much for, for them and for the story. She does. She yeah. progresses the storyline a lot. And she's only in there little bits, but you do. I, I love Natalia, too. Yeah. Uh, quick aside, because it comes up when Natalia comes up, but then also when the Israeli yeah, alter, general. Alter. Alter. Yeah. I love that they make it a point to show when someone is speaking in a different language. Yes. And I'm like, even though you're not actually speaking Russian, this makes me so happy. I have so many opinions about how translations are how are like dealt with in this book, actually. Because at the very beginning, in the very first issue, there are two Arabic-speaking characters who attack at the very beginning when we meet through 55. And they are the only characters in the entire book that do not have transliterated dialogue Meaning that they're the characters that we read on the page are not Latin based. Mm-hmm. So instantly, Arabic becomes this like alienated language in this comic. And then when we meet Alter for the first time, she has an interaction with one of her fellow soldiers mm-hmm. that is in, in Hebrew, but is also transliterated. And the translation's at the bottom. So at least we're still recognizing that this is another language. Mm-hmm. But later in the series, Everything is written in English, and then we have brackets to indicate translation. But the entire, throughout the entire book, the characters return continually to this idea that the Arabs did it, mm-hmm. and the only Arabic that we get in this entire series is presented in a way to be alien and estranged. And this book was published in 2002, right after, you know, 9-11 stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like there was this problem in how... They go across the world, they're meeting all these different people, but somehow there is still this, like, oh, just yeah. shittiness. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you start talking about, not the culprit ring, what's the other ring? The other, the the, the defectors. They are r- walking around in burkas the entire time, and they are set up exclusively as vil- villains, and they're walking around in yes. burkas. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the level of problematic <laughs> that yeah. that is, is yeah. astounding. It's definitely a very, uh, a, they have a very problematic antagonist when you get past Queen Victoria, who who gets dealt with pretty quickly. Honestly, I was very surprised how quickly the Queen Victoria, like, Amazon thing, Amazon kind, of thing just... kind of ended. And yet it completely and it, continued. Yeah, and then it continued, but just without her. But it was just very strange to me that I was like, wow, we're going to take the charismatic leader out, like, right now. Because that's partway book through the second book, I want to say, or something like that. Because it's in Marsville. Mm-hmm. She dies. So, like, it was just nuts to me that... 
It came. Yeah, it was. It was at the very yeah. end of Marisville because Hero then kills. Ooh, what was her name? I keep wanting to say Sadie, but that's all. I was thinking Sammy. Um, so something with an S, maybe. I'll see if I can find it. You want to try and find it? Um, but yeah, she kills her because she's the one that killed Victoria with an axe. With an axe. That was such a Sonia. Sonia, thank you. Jumping out of talking about like specific, you know, themes and things like that, and just to the comic itself, that was such a well drawn and laid out set of panels. I was just like. Ooh, that was cool. Because <laughs> you just... Yes! like a, Axe to the head. It's just so good. Because you're reading one page, and then you turn to the next page, and then all of a sudden it's just Victoria standing there with literally an axe in her head. And then the next panel is back to Sonya, and she's like... I did it. I did it! <laughs> she says. And like... Yeah. It's just... I, I don't know. It's just... Sometimes when you're reading comics, things aren't like super well laid out like that, and that one was just such a good... Just a... Mm, just a... Perfect. No, I've re- I really enjoyed the layout and the art. Yeah, the art. Who's the artist nice. on this? Uh, Pia. Pia Kukwera was Guerra? the Guerra. Um, penciler. Right. Okay. But she's also a co-creator for the book. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. So then, she, I don't know how much she actually, how much influence she actually on the narrative, but she's listed in a lot of the materials as a co-creator. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. And then cool. there's also a Jose Marzant. Probably the color. The Junior? I don't know how to say his last name. Is that what they call it? Colorist. Colorist inker. And then after the first ten, then there's... Goran Parlov? Parlov? Maybe? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Well, because usually (laughs) with comics, there's, like, someone who does the art, but then there's a different person who does the lines and the shading, and then there's a different person who does the color. Color So sometimes it's not just one artist, it's very collaborative, which honestly is kind of cool. Like, just the thought of being, like, working together to create something. I don't know. I like yeah. the community aspect of comic books right. because it's never just one person's vision. It's yeah, I know, I'm doing hand motions. It's never just one person's vision. It's like someone writes the story, but then it can be slightly changed depending on how it's drawn or how it's colored or how it's inked or how it's because mm-hmm. you've heard, I've heard that for, before from like listening to interviews with different you know comic book you know writers or artists or things like that. It's like oh, well, the narrative said this, but when I tried to draw it that way, it just didn't really work. So then I drew it a different way and asked them, like, hey, what do you think of this? And then they were like, whoa, no, that's what I wanted. So then they changed the words to kind of match what was drawn. So I always think that that's so cool because comics aren't, you know, like sometimes when you read a book, that is really just one person's vision, which isn't a bad thing. But like, comics it really is a community vision instead of just like an individual person's um and i think that that's really neat because when you're talking about comics it really is a comic book community and not necessarily just an individual making something yeah although there are comics like that too some people are just that talented (laughs) i can't write and roll well, what were we were talking about? We were talking about Natalia and yes, the Natalia. Uh, astronauts and Alter, because all of that comes to a head when they finally get to Kansas in the hot suite with mm. the twins, Heather and Heidi. Heather and Heidi. Heather and Heidi Hartle. <laughs> <laughs> there are some small things you in- You gotta love alliteration. I, I, well, I love little things like that where it's just like, aw. Because you know somebody was like, what do we name these characters? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Heather and Heidi Hartle, but yeah, so they get to the the they get to Kansas um, in the hot suite, and then Alter's there, and Alter's so her storyline is so it's it's weird because it's like it starts in one way and then it kind of like 
I don't know. She goes crazy, I think. Yeah. She finds... I mean, it ends with her just wanting to be killed by a man and not a woman. Um, at the very end, that's that was her goal. She wanted to be killed by a man. And so that's why she was going after Yorick. Not to hurt him, not to do anything else. She wanted him to kill her. But, like, the way she gets there through the whole story is so crazy. Yeah. Well, when you start out on Alter's storyline, she's with the... Uh, Israeli army. She's with the Israeli army, but she she's talking to some journalists of some sort. They're photographers or, or newspaper or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Um, but she's telling them, because they're all like, well, we get feminism and everything, but, like, why do you want to be out on the front lines? This doesn't make any sense. Like, everybody else wants peace. And she's like, why would I want peace when we haven't even begun fighting? So, like, she's kind of got this, not bloodlust, but, like, this this want of proving that she can be in action, maybe? Like, that she can fight and that, you know, there is a fight to be fought and stuff like that. Yeah. So, she's kind of always got this, like, weird militaristic mentality about her that <laughs> I cannot connect with in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. I think a lot of that also just comes from the region that she's in. Um, she was born into an area that's been war-torn for generations. Mm-hmm. And just, like, growing up in Israel, it's, at least my understanding as a Ohioan, is um, <laughs> that it's, it's like, compulsory military time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then... She, so she's been, she's grown up just knowing she's going to be in the military. And, like, we get this flash at one point of her as a kid playing military. And it's just, like, that constant thing. And then when her her sister dies and she finds out her, it, her sister dies essentially a friendly fire. Not technically friendly fire, but basically from her own side. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that that did a number on her as well. Just from watching so much death over just her entire life. And then, so I don't know that she necessarily went crazy. I think it's just... This constant threat of men hurting people and then getting to a point where she's like, okay, I've accepted that I'm going to be taken out by a man and then they all are gone and all of a sudden her entire world changes mm-hmm. and she doesn't know how to function with that, I think, is a much bigger concept than they even really played with. They should have played a little bit more with that, I think. I'm curious if it's a... A thing of, like, what do I rail against when the thing that I've always railed against isn't there anymore? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, because I feel like if this were a thing, I might have a problem with this as well. It's like my whole life I've grown up as a girl and then a woman and knowing that, like, the patriarchy is keeping me down. Like, for <laughs> for lack of a better term, that, like, there is always going to be this thing to fight against. Mm-hmm. And for me, being who I am, having something to fight against and a, a purpose and and you know, doing things like this podcast and just having conversations with other people and things like that, like, that's always there. There's always that debate. There's always that fight. There's always that that thing. And then if that were suddenly gone, what is left? Yeah, when your enemy is gone, yes. who do you fight? Right. You know, and you yeah. see Alter talk about that as well, mm-hmm. you know, when it, as soon as we're not fighting amongst the people around us, if there's no war around us, then we start fighting ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then she, what, you know, she claims in the beginning is that she wants to keep Israel from infighting and she wants to focus on the out. Yeah. Because that's all she's known this whole time. Mm-hmm. I think that's an incredibly flawed way of thinking, but I also understand where it comes from. Yeah. Having that, that, you know, having a common enemy is such a strong binder for people. You know, if 
it's, I, you know, if we like the same person, that's cool. But if we hate the same person, oh, hell, you are now my new best friend. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a very human experience. Right. And then I think that's kind of just her entire life. Mm-hmm. I think, though, that there's something to be said about the persistence of patriarchal structures far beyond the existence of a human version mm-hmm. of that. Because so much of the book is about how those those structures persist. And maybe part of it is that the danger is thinking that a patriarchal structure is represented in just human forms. Yeah. That it's not a deeper and a much more sinister structure. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it is kind of shocking how this book in so many ways is about how people try to replicate those structures mm-hmm. despite the absence of all of the men. And you think about when Beth, Yurik's lover, not his fiance, Other Beth. Ooh, other, other Beth. Beth. We just call her Other Beth. Other Beth. Is uh, kidnapped by this like extreme religious yep. group. Mm-hmm. And how that group is interested in um, kind of recreating the, the patriarchal structure within the church so that they can have a male pope who can talk with God to tell them that all, women should also get to be popes, but mm-hmm. they need to have the male birth of a male in order to duplicate that. Yeah. And so I think that, like, part of it is not just about, like, all of a sudden we don't have anything to fight. Mm-hmm. It's how those structures are actually, like, an inherent part of how we function. Mm-hmm. And that includes the relationships between women or, or people who identify as women or any other sort of um, non-male-centric identity. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you're used to one way of doing things, it's hard to be like, okay, well, let's do it a different way. Because you're always going to go back to the way things have always been. Mm-hmm. And some people are afraid to try other ways. So it's like, well, this is the safe way. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's just do the, Just keep doing this because this is, I know how to operate in this Mm-hmm. this way i thought that was an interesting thing too with the, that group because i'm like sitting there and i'm reading it and i'm trying i was like as i'm reading i'm trying to figure out what exactly is it that has me feeling so icky about this and then my like my theology background kicked in and i'm like oh i know what it is god killed all of the men do you think he's not saying maybe a female can be pope now mm-hmm. you know it's like that whole thing and i'm just like mm-hmm. so we're just gonna pick and choose what it looks like, you know, and having that whole thing. And I don't know. It was just like, seems like all religion to me. Exactly. Well, no. And I loved that aspect of it in a sense. I loved it in a very fucked up kind of way, but like, you know, (laughs) in a very fucked up kind of way. It's fine. But like, it was a very interesting take on religion that like, I, like I said, with my theology background, loved to see because that kind of conversation was a very interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. Um. It's so interesting how, I mean, this series isn't, long like it's not like like you could finish if you really wanted to you could finish all of this in a day two days tops i did like if you wanted to just sit down and read from 10 o'clock in the morning until especially if you get these, seven or eight o'clock at night the deluxe editions, especially if you get the big ones to like, yeah you just flip through them you just keep like, going yeah this is not a long series but somehow it manages to very naturally flow mm-hmm. and touch on a lot of big issue topics like because yeah. that's another you know, touch on religion mm-hmm. and how, like, religion likes to cherry pick, you mm-hmm. know, certain things and, and stuff like that. And, like, I just love how it manages to, like, be like, oh, we're just going to make a comment about society here and we're just going to make a comment about society here. But then the entire book is, like, this huge comment about society. But we're seeing little 
Like, we're talking about the prison system, we're talking about cloning, we're talking about religion, we're talking about cults, we're talking about, like, all these different little things within this bigger context of patriarchy and what it would be like to live in a matriarchal society and and those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, even with it being a so-called matriarchal society, it never really was. And, I mean... But I guess by the like most basic definition it was, because it was led by women, but it was still set up in a way that was still very male-centered, mm-hmm. even though they weren't there. I also <laughs> don't think that we got a ton of time to see what happened when we got away from that. Because mm-hmm. like, like you were saying, it's easy to go back to what you know, but think about, you know, if they found a way to have a third and a fourth and a fifth generation of just women... Well, you they know, talk what, about by it. the time we get to that, what does it all look like? Do we still have the same kind of? I mean, you know, they talk about that in the later books where they're they're able to clone women, mm-hmm. um, and it's easier. And then it takes them a while to get to the to cloning Yorick, and then he gets to meet Yorick Brown the seventeenth, which is hilarious, and I love it. But uh, the seventeenth, we'll just call him that. Uh, you know, even says at one point he's like, you know, now I'm a free man, which means. He's, he says he's 22, which means the first 22 years of his life, he was not free. Mm-hmm. They kept him with the other males that they cloned safe, mm-hmm. you know, which makes sense. Because if there's only 17 males, you you know, like, you can't just let them loose because they're going to have lots of problems. Mm-hmm. I would like to point out that 17 is a prime number. Keep going. Well done. <laughs> uh, well done, book. <laughs> but... But I can see, like, if if we were able to get more of the epilogue and to see more of society at that point, mm-hmm. it would definitely be more, like, males need to be kept and taken care of. And I'm pretty sure that that's where it's going to go, because there's not very many of them, and you have to keep your males safe. It kind of sounds like a pet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... This is my male! sounds like the way that women have been treated throughout history. Oh, I mean, ouch. Uh, but yeah. Just saying. Sorry. But then, the book wants, that off. but then the book wants you to feel bad for them, and I'm like, I, I have a very hard time with this. So. I mean, I think I do feel bad for them from the sake that this, from the side of this is a thing that I've experienced, and so it's like, yeah, and I it, feel bad that I you're going do, through this. And it sucks, but also, this is real life for us. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just have a hard time with that, I think, just literally because... In a comic, I can feel bad for that character, but then I have to stop reading the comic, put it down, and go back to real life, Mm -hmm. where there aren't as many options for me, you Mm -hmm. know, to, like, deal with exactly what he is dealing with. You know, well, not exactly, because we're not being cloned and kept in cages for 22 years, or at least... I don't think he was kept in a cage, Most of the world... I don't know. I don't know. We're not told. Even a mansion is a cage if you're not allowed to leave it. That's very true. So, whoa. Hashtag deep. That was nuts. <laughs> uh, so. We wandered. I know. I'm trucking along on the timeline here, ladies. Mm-hmm. Let's get back on track a little bit. We were here. talking about the astronauts. The astronauts. God, we're still not the astronauts. Because we're only here. Well, but the see, here's the thing is we're. We're talking we're about talking all the about stuff. We're getting there. The stuff. We're getting there. We're getting there. So they, they, Natalia's like, ah, the astronauts, there's two men up there, and they're alive. Which means whatever happened, happened just on Earth. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, we gotta get them down. Luckily, they're landing in Kansas right next to the hot suite. It's It's a sci-fi world. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. The the astronauts crash land in Kansas. And unfortunately, the two males 
Well, fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know how to say that. They pushed the only female astronaut out of the capsule because they said women and children first and they pushed her out, which in retrospect, (laughs) maybe they should have gotten out first, but they didn't really know what was going on, I guess. And chivalry, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Well, but we also find out that... I mean, women and children first, she's pregnant. Right. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't know who. Which one of the astronauts is the dad until... Well, but that's why they both are like, it might be my baby! Go! (laughs) I also love that one of them is black and one of them is white, so it's gonna be very clear whose it is. Right, and well, and like, when she does finally give birth, they're like, oh, it's the Russians Mm. uh, guy's child because it's a white baby. But, uh, and they call him what? Vladimir? Vlad. Vlad, (laughs) Vladimir. Baby Vlad. Baby Vlad. Um... But so yes, yeah, so they hang on the hot, they hang on the hot suite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what's York and three fifty five end up doing? I forget because they go to the hot suite and then Alter gets there and makes trouble. I was say Alter kidnaps Yurik and oh, that's right. And then um, oh, this is when Sadie rebels. Yeah, go Sadie. Uh, and then she gets killed. A lot of people get murdered in this. Yeah, you you cannot get uh, attached to characters in this series. A lot series. of people get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> They do die a lot. Then they decide to go somewhere after all of that. Uh, Ampersand is sick, so the group takes him to 355's friend, 7-Eleven. Yurik has a strange experience with 7-Eleven. What did I write on my little notepad? Oh, my my little note inside the comic book says, shit gets weird for Yorick. I don't don't remember this. Somebody want to jog my memory? So... uh, Yeah, so Ampersand ends up with the traveling group of players, but then he's sick. So they want to take him to a hospital, but they don't, but 355 doesn't want to take Yorick with them. Mm-hmm. And so he, they drop Yorick off with 7-Eleven. 355's ulterior motive with that is to get him to stop risking his life so much. So it's like a suicide intervention. Mm-hmm. And 7-Eleven drugs him, chains him up, does some really weird shit for to him, kind of around him, to him. And he has, like, an epiphany by the end. And then he doesn't want to kill himself. And then is seen just sipping tea calmly next to her, reading a book. It's very strange uh, yeah. going through that. Uh, I, I vaguely remember this now. I mean, there's some... It gets tied up and, you know, hung suspended. and... Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it's... We also learn a lot about, like, trauma for Yurik. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this kind of, like, brings to the surface kind of the low levels of, like, of sexual abuse that occur throughout the series. This is the, I think, the only real time that it's brought into, like, direct conversation with the reader. Mm -hmm. Because we learn that Yurik was sexually abused by a friend, Mm -hmm. and that is what comes out of, as part of this kind of session that 7-Eleven has with him. But the series kind of seems to take a, kind of a turn with how it starts dealing with trauma, and maybe people's motives, and kind of how, like, uh, sexuality is dealt with mm-hmm. in these yeah. different ways. Yeah. Well, and that's something that I also noticed with uh, Queen Victoria is that she preyed on people or on women who had sexual violence in their history. Um, there was a lot of talk about your abusers or your oppressors or people who yeah, did this to them. True. I think she was generalizing that. I don't think that it was necessarily she was like specifically seeking that out because she did it to Hero too with Yurik specifically, and it was yeah. never, ever but, even alluded to beyond that that no. Yurik had done anything untoward. No, to, no, no. To her, but there right? was there's a flashback where Hero doesn't want to go and see her grandfather because he touches my dot 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 dot, and mm. you never find out what young Hero says 
about grandpa. And it's brought up a couple of more times where mm-hmm. she doesn't, she did not like seeing her grandfather for yeah. a reason. Uh, well, and you so, can, you can read into it that he was not. I think this might be a pre Me Too type thing where yeah. it's basically saying more women than you know have experienced some sort of, a, of sexual abuse, trauma, right. um, unwanted attention, the list goes yeah. on and on in their lifetime, and this is how we're kind of, like, showing yeah. that. But I didn't really get the feeling that Victoria was specifically going up to women and being like, Oh, yeah. Have you been abused, or has I something bad she, happened to you? And I wasn't saying that. What I meant was the rhetoric that she used was one that would suck in people who have okay. that. Yeah. Um, okay. I can understand history. that. Yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't saying she specifically I was like, like, hey, did you like right. Like, Well, but, so, you know. the reason I was thinking that is because I felt like Victoria, like, did the blanket thing where it was like, all men, no matter whether they are or not, are rapists and abusers and horrible people and, like, all this stuff, mm-hmm. which, again, like, Morgan was saying was kind of a, like, extreme version of second-wave feminism, mm-hmm. which, which is what a lot of people believe that, you know, feminism is today. I think that there's a lot of men out there who don't agree with feminism, and that's why they say they don't agree with feminism, is that you just believe that all men are rapists, and all men are abusers, and all men are bad, and I'm not bad, and we're like, okay, well, maybe not you, but more than enough men, and we also shouldn't have to say that, and, you know, all these other things. So that that is why I had that thought, but I see what you're saying now, yeah. of the rhetoric she used would pull in that kind of person. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. She felt like a predator to me. Oh, she yes. was 100% a predatory character. Oh, very much so. Oh, yeah. No. Victoria. Victoria. Yeah. And then 7-Eleven, I think, took on that persona for the sessions, but I don't think she actually yeah. was a predator. Right. I think 7-Eleven was the closest thing you get to, like, a mental health professional. Say, she's a shrink. But, like, in a very <laughs> not safe, good way. Yeah. It was more like, I, I know what's good for you more than you do and I'm gonna force you to see it and like it so happened to be true but also like not okay to do that without consent man not okay yeah that whole uh, I remember that now that whole thing is very strange yeah I think that that whole it's called safe word I think that whole section is yeah hey we're touching on another (laughs) here's another part of culture yeah it's called safe word yeah Mm -hmm. I just love how we're hitting different culture buttons that's my favorite Um, Mm mm-hmm and then after that, they head through Arizona, and they run into the Sons of something. Of Arizona. Sons of Arizona. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. But it's actually the daughters now. So um, they still call it the Sons. Yeah, they still call it the Sons. And they meet uh, one of the 1% female mechanics, which she was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, she's wearing high heels and a mechanic suit, and she's bald, and... I love it. I'm, I'm on board. I love oh, it. Yes. Yeah, and they go through all that with, uh, with her. York has some weird dreams again. Yeah. They get in a tussle there. I don't know how much that is uh, integral to the plot. I think that the result of the tussle is integral to Yorick's growth as a as a human. Yeah, oh yeah, because he does shoot the uh, the one mm-hmm. uh, young lady out of self defense, and yet he still carries it as though he murdered her when that was not the yeah. case. It was like yeah, he does carry that for a while, a long time. Yeah. You know? and I do think that that a lot of his decisions that he makes subsequently like, directly after that, even, are yeah. very much informed by that mm-hmm. that yeah. interaction. Yeah. And at the end of this deluxe book number two, Hero ends up in Kansas and makes contact with Natalia and, uh... Is that the astronaut? Siva. Siva? Yeah. The astronaut's mm-hmm. name, Siva? Mm-hmm. 
because York wanted her to go there to... Oh, wait, what's she doing? She's taking the she's poop. She's hunting. No, she's taking the poop. She's taking Ampersand's poop. She hasn't met up with Yurik yet. She's still looking for Yurik. At that point? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, you're right. After yep. all this stuff happens with Victoria, she basically starts hunting Yurik yeah. because... I was wondering if you could tell me where the fuck my brother is. Yep, because she's still kind of under the spell of Victoria and all the things that are going on, and she's still really angry at him Mm -hmm. for taking the other side and all this stuff. (coughs) So she did enough deprogramming, I guess is the best way to say it, to get out of Marisville, but kind of tricked them almost, it felt like. No, I think she was okay. Uh, she was still having visions of Victoria, like, standing next to her saying stuff. But mm-hmm. she was able to be like, nah, go away, go away, go away. Yeah. So I think she was all right. Yeah. Yeah. I did like that that aspect, that kind of that showing that mental break from mm-hmm. reality of she was so under this woman's control that she was, even after that woman's death, was, like, still seeing her and hearing that. And just yeah. how much that seems to be well, a true statement for someone who's been in is that, under the effect of a Is that kind of, uh, is that under the umbrella of, like, PTSD-type mm-hmm. behavior, yeah, yeah. I think? Uh, I also think that it was very interesting that Hero was a character that before we really got to, we got to meet her a little bit in the beginning when she was in, with the EMT and, mm-hmm. you know, her new boyfriend and blah, blah, blah. Um, but before we really got to know her as a character too terribly much, um, Yurik kind of put her up on this pedestal of, like, this strong, independent woman who, like, became an EM- EMT and, like, she is just this, like, really great person and blah, blah, blah. And then you meet her and she's fallen in with this cult and she's been brainwashed and, like, all this kind of stuff. So I thought it was very interesting because I think it kind of plays with the ideas of who people think are susceptible to things. Um, because I feel like a lot of people who come out of cults or of abusive relationships, they're like, well, nobody ever thought that this would happen to me because I was viewed as quote unquote strong, where, where really it has nothing to do with who you are necessarily as a person. A lot of times it's what circumstances you are in when you meet these kind of people and how good they are at manipulating you and your values and the environment around you. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that was a very interesting point yeah Yeah. you see you see that with hero like Mm -hmm. very blatantly because you see when she meets victoria for the first time and she is starving and the amazons come and try and take her food and she's like the fuck you mean and like fights them and victoria's like oh i see i can use you Mm -hmm. you know and just like takes her in it's like you know three hots in a cot type situation where you get like three yeah they say that a couple of times yeah um, and how, and it's it's such a common way that cults will take in people. Oh, yeah. Is that, is controlling their intake of food and controlling this, that, and the other. And that's how they break them. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. yeah. having to come out from that. Yeah, definitely yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Yep. So where do we go after, because we've left Kansas now, right? <laughs> yep. We meet other Beth. We go through all the other Beth stuff. The he other create, Beth He stuff. creates Beth Jr., which I think that's a hilarious little like snippet where they're like, well, what can I name her? And Hero's like, well, you can name her Beth. That's a great name. And other Beth's like, well, I can't do that. And she's like, it's a new world now. We can do what we want. <laughs> yeah. And she ends up being Beth Jr. That's adorable. <laughs> and it's super cute. So at what point does Hero meet back up with them? Right about there. She uh, talks to Natalia. She gets to see the baby, baby Vlad. Vlad and then... is just one of those names where it's like, 
that's an adult human. There are no baby Vlads. But then you end up with a baby Vlad, and the whole time I'm just like, hey. Well, I mean, every time I hear it, I think um, it's a, a, an adult vampire. Right? <laughs> <laughs> vampire baby. Vlad. Um, he, she's still searching for Yorick. Oh, I forgot about this part. York gets a birthday present from 355 to dress up as a mascot and heckle the crowd at a women's basketball game. Or a just a basketball game, I guess it's not a women's or a men's in the no, story. It's, it's just, just a basketball, basketball game. game. But he gets to go out there and be a jerk to the crowd, and he was all excited, and she's just, like, suffering sighs at him. <laughs> and uh, But he got to do that, and he was super excited. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's trying to track him down. Does she run into them? I think it's here. I thought she ran into them when in they get San to Dr. Fran. Yeah, it's in um, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, when they get to her uh, extra lab. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because they were going to her extra lab because her first lab had been burnt down. Yeah. So she needed the backups. By right. Alter, right? It had been burnt down by Alter? By Alter, yes. yes. The, uh, sorry, because Israelis. Alter thought that they had left in a hurry because they knew that they were there. Mm-hmm. So then they burned everything down to cover their tracks, kind yeah. of. Yeah, she's but such then a it, firebug. But then it turned out that like they were just chasing. No, not at all. They were just yeah. chasing a monkey. The monkey got out. <laughs> the, monkey. the monkey got loose. Like oh, we get to start. We get to meet the ninja to- Toyota. Yes. Yeah. And her her whole thing just fucking with everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hero meets 355 because they uh the uh ex- the not the culpa ring but the other ring. The set. Oh, she even says Anna Strong mm-hmm. in here. That's the name of a... Oh, I forgot she's actually said it. That's one of the other characters. That's so cool. Oh, yeah, it's the redhead chick. Mm-hmm. Ah, so good. The original 355 was Anna Strong. Ah, what? So good. Her death is brutal. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. I, her presumed death. Yeah. Of the, the real Anna Strong? Yeah. And the oh, char- really? The character in this comic is when she, sna- she like, snaps her neck when yeah. she's still alive and she leaves her Yeah. in the baseball... Uh, right, yeah, uh, baseball right. diamond or whatever. Diamond. Yeah. The baseball thing. The baseball thing. The one with the dirt thing. and the, the grass. The, the thing where they do the baseball. Uh, it's softball <laughs> now, guys. Fast pitch. Oh, fast pitch. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and during that whole thing, York is sick, and uh, Doctor Man thinks he's dying from the plague because Ampersand's missing or something, and uh, and it's just botulism because he ate a dented can of tomatoes or something <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> And she's all pissed at him, like, you idiot. I read that part, I read that part in my mom's voice, because the number of times we'd go shopping and I'd grab a can, she'd be like, Caitlin, we don't buy dented cans because it will give you botulism. <laughs> like, just like, okay, mom. Yeah, 355 breaks her neck and just leaves her there, and mm-hmm. she's speaking before they walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she paralyzes oh. her. She doesn't actually kill her. Oh, 355 is badass. Mm-hmm. She's also, I mean... She kills a lot of people she that she doesn't need to kill. Yeah. There are a lot of A lot of deaths in her ledger, yeah. <laughs> but throughout the whole thing, I mean, people people get murdered for many Nothing. small things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but this is the point in the story where they figure out the monkey poop <laughs> thing. That Yorick is alive because Ampersand throws monkey poop at him. <laughs> uh... The weirdest way to uh, get uh, out of a plague yep. ever. Uh, but Hero's back. They have a little bit of a fight. Ninja. Ninja steals Ampersand. There we go. And that drives the plot for the rest of the book. Off they go to try and find the monkey. To find the monkey. To find the monkey. They're uh, constantly trying to find the monkey. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, Yorick writes a note, gives it to Hero, and asks Hero to take it to Other Beth. Mm-hmm. And that's how uh, Hero and Other Beth end up hanging out for the rest of the book. Well, and the their the lives. Story. And their yeah, lives. Presumably. But that's when they get to go on the boat with the pirates, because right. they're trying to get to Japan, because that's where Toyota is taking Ampersand. Mm-hmm. So they're following along to try and get the monkey back. Mm-hmm. Because you always gotta get the monkey back, apparently. You gotta get the monkey back. Gotta find the monkey. Alright, I do like that in a world without men, women walk around with no shirt, no bra, or oh, just a shirt time. with no bra, or just like, fuck it, I'm walking around in a bikini top. Like So good. Like... I wanted, I just want that to be life. I, I worked like, with someone once who was like, fuck it, I'm not wearing a bra anymore. She was like, I work in daycare. Kids don't care. I don't care. I'm done. These are stupid and I hate them. And I was just like, girl, yes. <laughs> yes. I wish that I was that confident. I am not. And, uh bras suck. We call yeah. them boob jail. Boob jail. Yes, jail. I do too. All right. So you were excited about pirates. The pirates are cool. We meet my favorite character with the pirates. Rose? Yeah. I know. Rose is my like favorite. Rose. Um, I was really sad when I found out that she was like a double agent and like stuff. And I'm like, oh. But then she quit. And I'm like, yay. Yay. Yay, yay Rose. Go Rose. Um, yay. We also get to find out uh, some sexualities of our uh, characters. We found mm-hmm. out in the book before, I think, that Dr. Mann uh, is gay. Uh, very small scene, but still you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. It takes I, us a long uh, time to get here, though, for how sexualize these books are and i i don't use that term in the derogatory well way. i think I like think, they just sex is there it's yeah. just a part of what is going well, on i think york even says at one point like we've been traveling together for a year and i didn't know that yeah, <laughs> yeah. like and she's like yeah it um, cracks me up because she makes a quip about how apparently the, we can add gaydar to the, the the common sense that he's lacking yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm like, oh, Dr. Man. <laughs> uh, but they get on a boat. Do they go on as passengers? I crew. forget. Dr. So, Man is there because she's part of the crew. And so they sneak York on in a right. box because he can't get out because they flipped it up upside down and he only rigged one, rigged side. one side and it's uh, upside oh, down. Oh, no. Um, so he's stuck. But they find him, uh, take him to the captain, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then Dr. Man and 355 have a, uh, a tryst. Nice little rendezvous. A mm-hmm. rendezvous. <laughs> York finds out and he's not he's kind of upset about it because he hasn't come to see his feelings yet about 355 mm. it's another but. one of those like buttons that they're pushing mm. it's like hey men are upset when women that they're interested in have affairs with other women but they go and have or with other people but then they go and have you know sex with other people and that's totally fine and they see yeah. no qualms with that even though they haven't figured out their feelings yeah. because at this point He's had romantic, at, at least romantic is tryst, as in, like, kissing or stuff like that with, like, I think three or four people. Uh, two, I think. Sonia, he kissed, and then other Beth. Yeah. Yeah. But then him and 355 at this point are... They're just friends. Yeah. I mean, you could argue with Seven uh, Eleven as well, although that was weird. <laughs> yeah. Weird shit happens to York Brown. During that time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're on the boat with pirates. They find out that they are um, transporting heroin. So there's a submarine of military ladies who are trying to get rid of the pirates. I love the way that it was set up, though, that it made it seem like the submarine were the pirates. So like uh, initially when we first were introduced to it. He kisses the captain of the boat. That's right. 
But he is the only the last man. I just ran across the page. I interrupted you. My bad. It's all good. Um, I just think it is interesting that the, when they initially introduce this whole storyline, how it they, they portray it as though the the boat that they're on are the good guys. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the submarine is the bad guys. But then you find out the reality of it, and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like it This is book very... is very good at not being... Super predictable, which is fun, because sometimes you can read comics and you're like, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yep, there it happened. So this was really fun to have something that kind of threw you a curve. But from what uh, Fern was just saying about him kissing the boat captain and, like, he's the last man and blah, 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 that's something that gets brought up over and over and Mm -hmm. over and over again during this. Because you see the thing in the very beginning where he's talking to his mom and she's like, I'm not going to whore out my own son, but also you need to repopulate the earth. And, like, it's just kind of assumed that, one, Yurik wants to have sex with, like, every woman around. And, two, lots of the women around want to have sex with him. And it's just this weird thing. Like, sex is just such a weird thing in these books for me. Because it's just... I don't know. We're suddenly invalidating people who are having sexual experiences with women just because, oh, there's no men around, so that's why you're doing it. And it's like, well, maybe they are bisexual or bi-curious and they never felt comfortable exploring it before, but now that it's the only option, they're, you know... Like, it just... Again, it's really not exploring the spectrum of sexuality, just like we aren't exploring the spectrum of gender. And we're just kind of saying, like, you're gay for this day, all the men are gone, so now yeah. you're stuck with only ladies and you're just going to deal with it. And, like, it's just a very odd... But I do like the fact that, though, like, York could. He could just, like, walk out and just, like, hey, you and me. But he doesn't. He goes, yeah. no, I'm saving myself for my girlfriend. I'm looking for Beth. Until he's not. Well... Over and over. No, he only has sex with uh, other Beth. Yeah, but he kisses Sonya, and he would have gone farther had she not stopped him. Maybe. I think it was pretty heavily implied that he thought that it was gonna... That more was gonna happen. And then he even points it out, like, oh, I must seem like such a bad boyfriend now. Right. Because all this stuff happened. And he keeps trying to, like almost explain it away, but then there's never really an explanation, and I'm constantly like, are we supposed to feel bad for you? Because all these women want you, and so it's okay to, like, do this, even though you're quote-unquote saving yourself? I don't know. He's got some very interesting thoughts around that (laughs) during the time that he's seeing Sonya. Yeah. He's got some very interesting thoughts in general about that. He's interesting. The pirates. So we meet the submarine. Meet yep. the submarine? Uh, meet the submarine blows up the boat. Yeah. Um, we meet Rose, who becomes part of the team. Menagerie. <laughs> team. I almost said team avatar, but that's not right. <laughs> wrong. Wrong. That's John, wrong. You're wrong, media. <laughs> wrong. Last um, airbender, last man. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think my brain made that connection for some stupid reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like <clears throat> Rose in part because they never... Her having an eye patch and only having one eye is never a problem. Oh, yeah. She's never, like, the butt of a joke. She's never incapable. She is just, like, an incredibly badass. Also has an eye patch and will, like, kick everyone's ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's even a part where 355's like, how did you do that with your depth perception? Right. Like, with no depth 
perception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, she's like, what? Like, how did you hit that? She blows something up. She hits it with a rifle mm-hmm. or something. And she's like, what? Yeah. But uh, for the Bechtel test, our, our femme fandom test, uh, you know, we have that, uh, our people with disabilities. Um, that's something else that's lacking. Is uh, Yeah, we've got Rose with one eye. But there's no women in wheelchairs or women that have, you know, are not neurotypical that might need care. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, none of that nothing, is nothing, none of that's explored. It might not have anything to do with the story, so they didn't put it in there. You know, they only but you would see someone. Yeah, I mean, in the background somewhere, there there should have been like at least somebody sitting in a wheelchair somewhere. Also, like literally anything is possible in this world, and one of the main characters could have been anybody. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So it's notable that we do get Rose with her eye patch, but yeah. literally nobody. Everyone else is able bodied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah. and I guess in most, I think in most of the crowd shots, I'd have to go back and flip through. I don't remember. I anything. don't see anything. Spe- yeah. I don't remember anything specific. So if anybody out there finds one, let us know. I was gonna say I don't remember, um, but I also didn't remember to look for it specifically yeah. either. I forgot to look. So. Um, and there are quite a few shot or shots. I talk about it like a movie because in my head it plays like a movie. Yeah. Um, where you do get to see a crowd of people. Man, this would be a cool movie to watch. Right. This would be a cool movie. If they'd have to change some things, doing but, it like, a... it'd be neat. I think they've talked about doing it as a TV show, haven't they? Yeah, when um, shortly after it ended, they talked about um, casting Shia LaBeouf as Eurek. Uh, um, but it! that is no longer a thing. <laughs> but I think recently the Steam has picked back up for those rights. Mm-hmm. That would be, That'd be really, really cool. cool. That'd be a great Netflix show. Yeah, I'd be in like a, a three or four season run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we could get Sabrina the Teenage Witch, we could get Why the Last Man. Right. And then the last comic in this is uh, all about Beth DeVille. Uh, The Beth he is trying to find in Australia. Mm -hmm. And she gets... The same thing that happened to Yorick Yorick with 7-Eleven happens with her with the Aboriginal women. Mm -hmm. They kidnap her and they give her drugs and (laughs) tie her to a tree and then... Are like, okay, you did the thing that we wanted you to do and then dump her on the side of the road. Like, I'm not sure where all that was going besides trying to get flashbacks in of her and Yorick's relationship prior to the plague. Maybe? But somehow she... It's like, here's plot device, drugs! Yeah. But she does end up somehow realizing that she needs to go to Paris, apparently. And that Yorick is still alive Mm. at the end of that. Mm. So, yeah. The ship blows up. We ship meet blows Rose. up. Where do we end sub. up? Where do we end up? We on the sub. We're on the sub. We on the sub. They've got to the take the captain of the submarine says they have to take the pirate prisoners. They have to take them to the penal colony in New Guinea. Well, New Guinea, I guess, and drop them off. But they are in Australia. That's where York wanted to go so bad for this whole thing. For this whole he's only time, ever wanted to go to Australia. So. Um, there's a journalist, a reporter out there asking about stories about a man. Like people are, there's rumors mm-hmm. that there's a last man, which makes sense. Like even if they, nobody knew about Yorick, there would be rumors. Like, oh, I saw a yeah. man. Oh, I saw a man. Like it, it would just be a thing because mm-hmm. people are hopeful like that. You know, mm-hmm. like you're going to have that hope. You're going to, you know, you're going to want to cling to that hope yeah. that something's going to be okay. Right. Um, so she's out doing that and, um, they get attacked by the reporter, and the reporter takes out 355. Now, <laughs> 355 has been a badass through all of these books so far. Mm. Has fallen off of buildings and all sorts of shit. Jumped out of a train. Like The reporter up. sneaks out of an alley and hits her with a taser and she goes down. And that's it. I have a problem with that, but that's okay. 
We needed to advance the plot. Yeah. It's all right. It's okay. Um, but she makes Yorick strip down and, and take a picture of him nude uh, to put up in her newspaper. Yeah. I also love that now that there are no men, like, guidelines for what can be shown in, like, forms of media is just, like, gone. It's like, nope, you can be topless, you're a guy, we're just gonna put your penis in a newspaper, like, this is all great. It, I, I, for some reason, that just brings me joy. Just yeah. like, yes, no more censorship. They, 355 and York try and track her down to get the film back so his picture doesn't get out there. But in the end, York's like, you know what? No one's going to believe it. It's not even in like a big newspaper. It's in this like small rag. Nobody's going to believe. What's he called? A bur- bird cage liner or something? A bird cage liner. Newspaper? Yeah, like nobody's going to believe it. So they end up just letting it go. And uh, it actually, it worked out, I guess. Because mm-hmm. yeah. they don't really bring it up much after that. I mean, honestly, he's not <clears throat> wrong, but I also would have the opposite <clears throat> thought. I'd be like, no, we have to get it back. <clears throat> what if somebody does? And like, yeah. I-, I would totally be that obsessive person that's like, holy crap, everything's ruined now. Yeah. Even though he's right. Like, nothing. It's fine. Yeah. Because um, that could be easily faked. Oh, yeah. So um, there's a small side story where they drop off the prisoners in Papua New Guinea and they're being chased by cannibal women because the food's run out. It's two pages, but the, the like their faces, they're like, shit, guys, we gotta go. We cannot stay here. <laughs> I was very confused because I, I was reading that book on my phone and not in like a physical copy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, am I missing pages like, what, happened? <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is going on um, I was very just two confused. quick fa- pages of like hey dysotopian universe people eat each other yeah that's it we're done now yeah yep. that's how wendigos happen do they want wendigos um but yeah so like york's like did you hear what i said 355 they're fucking man eaters and she's like yeah and then she takes that baton she goes i heard you and i'm like yeah she's gonna kick their asses but that's it. Then it ends, and then we move on and with then the rest of yeah. Yep, then we're on. I would have loved for one of them later to like have like a bite mark scar. I think that would have been so fucking funny. Just like just they just got a nibble. It's fine. Yeah, just a nibble. Are we, so yeah. then after that, do we go to Australia? Well, we we just, Australia. We, they finished Australia. Oh, that we, was it. We, yeah. we dropped them off in Papua New Guinea, and that's the end of Australia. Yeah, he yeah. wanted to go look for Beth, wasn't uh, there. Beth but Beth wasn't there. Uh, ampersand gets. Uh, in all of Australia, we looked at all of Australia, and that short of a No, so what happened is he... Beth is not here. I have been to one city. Let's go. <laughs> he went to this, the place that she was studying. Met up... Well, first got chased by people who were there. I think they were grad students. Um, made me think of Morgan. And then, <laughs> and then um, went to a bar where her friend had written a note saying, come meet me here. Um, went to that see that friend. That friend said, "Oh no, she left. She went to France oh, okay. to find you." No, that's not. Yeah, that's in Tokyo. Okay, no, yeah. it's not. Oh no, then they go to Tokyo. Yeah, then they go to Tokyo. Why yeah. they have they, to go find? Oh, because they, they have to find Toyota. They have to find Ampersand. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's the monkey find chasing the monkey, the monkey again. Yeah, chase the monkey. So they make it to Tokyo, mm-hmm. and they but decided to split up. Following Toyota, right? Yes, Toyota and Ampersand. They're trying to track them down and get Ampersand back. Okay. Uh, Three fifty-five in York go after and try and find. Um, Ampersand, and um, Rose and Dr. Mann go to her mom's lab Kay. in Japan. Because mm-hmm. Dr. Mann is half Chinese and half Japanese. Yes. Mm-hmm. And really hates her dad. Yes. For good reasons. Oh, yes. Very good reasons. But yeah, so they have some adventures. They have to get Ampersand back from a pop singer. 
who's taken over a hotel. Did anyone else expect it to be Avril Lavigne? Because I expected uh, it to be Avril Lavigne. Why Avril Lavigne? Because Her she's a, because she's super popular in Japan, but she's a Canadian pop star. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. No, interesting. But yeah, they basically storm the hotel, get Ampersand back, that type of thing. Did Toyota give this pop singer Ampersand? No. no. He escaped. He peed on Toyota's face. <laughs> and he ran away. And then he was just like, this yeah. lady give me good stuff. I stay here. <laughs> no, he was chained. Oh, was he? Yeah, he's got a big chain on his neck. He's wearing a tuxedo, little monkey tuxedo. <laughs> Where in a dystopian world did you find? You know, anyway. uh, maybe it was just laying around. Yeah, totally. Yep, okay, cool, uh, chill. Anyway. But yeah, uh, and then Dr. Man's mom stabs Rose through the stomach with a katana uh, and then saves her life right after that. Um, so Rose is out for a while. Um, and then after all of that, they get Ampersand back, they get Rose fixed up, and they all join forces again. And they're like, fuck this, we're going somewhere else. And they fuck off. Fuck Tokyo. Fuck Tokyo, we're done. We want to go somewhere else now. Um, so then, do I they go to France? They, I forget where they go next, I'm trying to find out. Uh, the okay. rest of it is all about Kansas. After Tokyo... They head towards France, because that's when they... Sp- They're going to China. Because Dr. Man is really sick. Yeah. And... No, um, Ro- Dr. Man is Dr. Really Man sick. is yes, sick. Yes, Dr. Man is really sick. They have to- her mom, and her mom was taken. Wait, I thought her mom was in Tokyo. Was, and was kidnapped yeah. by Toyota. Oh, and then they yeah. gotta go to... Okay. I'm, yes. I'm in with Because they have to go find Dr. Man. I do not Man. remember these. Yeah. this part of the story at all, as you can tell. I read it Well, there's night. a lot of, like, yeah. little bits and pieces. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like, I remember most of the big stuff, but then when we get into the nitty-gritty like this, I'm like, and why did the pop star have the monkey? Where did the tuxedo come from? <laughs> what are we doing again? <coughs> are so- we... Is there a point anymore? Are we still um, cloning? What's happening? <laughs> there are certain parts of this book that I'm just like, this is like a fucking fever dream is what this is. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. great, though. What is happening? Um, I do appreciate the fact when they, the book, like, the, the flashbacks have, like, a, like... A sepia almost. Yeah, like a, a sepia like a, tone, like a fuzzy quality to them. Yeah, where the, you can tell. Yeah, the story is more uh, crisp. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. Um, but before we head on, uh, we've got Kansas, where Vlad... Is other Beth is there with baby Beth, mm-hmm. Hero, Natalia, Beth Jr., uh, Heather, and Heidi Hurdle. Um, it's a lot of people, yeah, they're all hanging out together, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's really nice. Uh, I mean, but- I guess if there's only like a couple of, I mean, I don't know, you don't see a lot of other children throughout the no. series, and so that's something that I want to talk about too is like, so if all the males are gone. Mm-hmm. Like, in my family, it would be me and my twin girls. Left. Right. So, you know, there's going to be children out there that don't have parents because, one, their father died, and then their mother could have been on a plane or in a car accident mm-hmm. or something. So you're going to have a lot of orphans. But they don't ever... Uh, they don't. They don't really say anything about what happens to all those female children out there that don't have anybody to look after them. Yeah. Or it's just like, I have my big sister now and that's it. Although we do have those three at the very kiddos who, yeah, Yeah. like hijack their car. Yeah, the last girls. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like to paint, what'd she say? I like to paint my uh, piece so it looks like a squirt gun to to fake people out or something like that. She Mm -hmm. says something like that where she, because her gun is like bright pink. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's like, we're the last girls. 
Which makes sense. So if you were a baby when it happened, you know... Five years later. You're a five-year-old, so there wouldn't be any babies. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So... That's like the the part... I just happened to glance at it when I was reading. It was like, the elephant shrew is extinct. Where it's like, they only have a one and a half year lifespan. So at this point, they have no mates and they've all died. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, it's just thinking about stuff like that. Like, oh yeah, like, those would be probably the only babies. Because I think they made it a point... When the plague happened of showing that the moms, like, the boy babies that the moms were pregnant with yeah, were there's, gone. Yeah, there's there's one scene where York's looking down the stairs of his apartment building, and there's that one woman sitting there, and she's like, my son came too early. Yeah. And it's she was pregnant, and he died, and so her body rejected, rejected the baby, yeah. and... Yeah. yeah, so there would also well, be evidence of that, too. Yeah. That would be around as well. Oh, man, the one that really got me was the mom that came out, and she was talking to the police officer, and she's like, help me, my boys are sick, and the officer's like, I can't do anything, and, like, thinking that, like, yeah, I don't know, it's different when it's little kids. When it's your kids? And, the, <laughs> yeah. and that's the other thing that they don't touch on is the male children that all died. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did... They did that. Those two instances, but, but that's kind of it. Yeah. And, and then they did the Dr. Mans, but that was a different circumstance. Yeah, that was a different but circumstance. It's, it's still, but, they kind of... Yeah, and in all the bodies they show, and I know it's because it's a book and you don't really want to see kids' dead bodies, but, yeah. like, there would be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There would be a lot. There would be yeah. teenagers and preteens and all of that if that happened. <sighs> yep. So, I mean, that's icky, but... Yeah. But all those people are together and they're hanging they're out hanging and raising out the babies together. Well, Alter shows up and creates trouble because that's what Alter does. That's, and that the whole is thing. Alter's job. That's Alter's job in this book. Also... Shows- she goes up and trade. Yeah, go ahead. It's right after she's killed Yurik's mom, right? Mm-hmm. That's right, yes. She um, murders the congresswoman. Yeah. And then goes to find yep. the, the children. Yeah. Um, she's just basically at this point trying to antagonize Yurik, right? Like, that's basically her whole It kind of seems that way that she's getting into that where she's just like, I just, I want somebody to fight against me. Mm-hmm. I want someone to fight against me. And yeah. she wants a male to fight against her because she wants a challenge or whatever. And what's the, she's giving, but she's feeding her people a line this whole time, isn't she? Like, what's the line that she's feeding to get away with what she's doing? That she wants to get Yurik because it's the only leverage Israel's going to have in the world. Okay, that makes sense then. All right. I was like, she's using a lot of resources in order to, like, do this weird, not quite vendetta, but vendetta. Yeah, I'm, I'm just reading part of it right now. It's She's saying that she wants to get him so women don't fight against women. Because she's afraid that if, you know, people are going to fight over him and then women are going to fight women... For him, so she wants to get him out of the picture. So then it's not a problem. So it's not a problem. Makes sense. Because in here she's like, I assure you I'm not the last man's enemy, I'm his savior. So she has an interesting story. She really does. Yeah, she's a cool character. Mm -hmm. Oh, this whole, the whole series has awesome characters in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I really love the series. I've read it twice now, and now, well... I guess two and a half, because this time I didn't actually read it. I just kind of skimmed. Uh, so, we get we get a whole lot of backstory. Then. Yeah. Um, we get some more of 355. We get some Ultra backstory. We get some Dr. Man backstory, which is really fucked up. Can we talk about Dr. Man's dad for a minute, though? Mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly interesting how parallel her reaction to the plague and his reaction to the plague are. Mm. Where she's like, I did this thing. I caused this. And he, and he does is, says the same thing as well. Granted, he actually, I think, did. But um, Although, let's point out real quick. Her dad's still alive. Right. Like, yeah. her dad is still alive. 
So I think that was one thing that really fucked her up when they got there. She was like, wait, you're supposed to be dead. That right. was the only good thing that came out of this. One silver lining. That was the one good thing, and you are still here, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so interesting how the two of them, like, this whole thing came about because they were racing to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Well, and he even says that he tried to sabotage her so he could be first cloning and not her. So he had Toyota, the ninja, who is in his employ, uh, poison her. So her, so she could have had the clone and been okay, but he poisoned her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why she lost the baby. In and the that's very why beginning. she lost the baby in the very beginning. And that's why she's getting sick. And that's right? why she's sick because the clone, it's weird DNA stuff. They explain a little bit, but she ends up getting tumors in her uterus. So they had to take out the uterus, and that's that's the surgery she had when they took her to China. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she finds out she has eight clones of herself hanging out with her dad. That her dad has made? Yep. Of her. Which yeah. is just so odd. Like, mm. if you're trying to beat your daughter and, like, be better than her and prove a point and all this other stuff, like, why is why would you pick that as your subject for cloning? Well, he okay. makes a comment about wanting to get it right this time. Yeah, he says, um, from early on, I knew I had failed you as a father, Ayuko, which is her um, birth name. I'd failed you as a man, but I never stopped trying. And then there's this, like, um, splash page of all of the children behind him. Which, again, is just great layout. And they're all different ages. Like, there looks like an elementary, couple elementary schoolers, a couple preschoolers, and there's some babies. Mm -hmm. So he hasn't, like, stopped. He has keep trying. Which also means that he's had some women that he's impregnated with all these clones. Mm -hmm. Just to have the clones for him, mm-hmm. which is also weird. Uh, weird. Uh, and then does the yeah. DNA thing happen to everyone? So then he's also basically forced them to get his tumors because yeah. I'm sure that he I'm didn't assuming, yeah. Well. They don't say anything, but I mean, you can infer that that's you know where it's gonna go. I think Doctor Ming ends up with the same issue yes. that Doctor Man has, which is Doctor Ming is Doctor Man's dad's mistress, mistress mm-hmm. lady, and she ends up dying. From the same like tumors and stuff in, in the, the uterus. So you would assume that that would be the case as well yeah. for anyone else who has happened to. Right. Things come to kind of a head at this point because Dr. Man's father is going to kill York. Um, Dr. Man saves him. Toyota is going to kill 355 and Rose and 355 saves them. Uh, but with a consequence, she gets stabbed mm-hmm. um, and then uses, it severs her fallopian tubes and she is unable to have be a mother. And she makes a joke to Dr. Man. She's like, yeah, but who would I have a baby with? <laughs> mm-hmm. And Dr. Man's like, well, you and York. And she's like, uh, I don't know. I love how absolutely obvious it is to everyone around them and that they yeah. are just both so in denial or oblivious or both yeah. that it's just like... Well, there's probably also a sense of duty that 355 has because yeah. there's probably this this sense of like, this is the person I'm supposed to be protecting. I can't then also enter a romantic relationship with them whether or not I have those feelings. Yeah. I mean, uh, Dr. Man even says because you can't confuse your protective instincts with romantic feelings, question mark. Yeah. But she said, no, York needs to be with his girlfriend. Um, <laughs> I do love that Dr. Man and 355 talk in pig Latin to each other mm-hmm. throughout the book in different spots. Even though, super like, funny. Pig Latin is, uh, I don't know. Maybe I just. They say, I Latin. love you in pig Latin, Latin right here. And that's just, it's like, aww. I can't read pig Latin. I have a really hard time with those sections. Oh, really? So I, love I can speak pig Latin very, very quickly. Like, almost as quickly as I can speak, like, normally. I did not get that, that. <laughs> and I did a lot in middle school. <laughs> so, 
but Dr. Man and Rose decide to stay behind with Dr. Man's mother to take care of the clones. Yeah. And that's kind of... Yeah, that's kind of where their story ends for us. Because um, the dad until we see dies them. in this, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Alice, yeah Dr. Man uh, kills him. Mm-hmm. Syringe, something's in the syringe, and... Yep. I mean, don't really blame her, because yeah. I don't feel like he was being very responsible with the power that he had. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, there were uh, issues. York and 355 head to Paris to try and find Beth. I love that this whole time... Oh, we'll get there when we get there. I don't want yeah. to spoil it before we get there, but there is a big surprise coming with all of this. And this whole time, everyone is just like, get him to Beth, get him to Beth, get him to Beth. And then, yeah, and well, then. you know. We take a side trip with uh, Waverly and Bobby. They come back. Yeah. Waverly, the supermodel garbage truck corpse driver, driver corpse lady. <laughs> lady uh, <laughs> super cool. And um, Bobby, the uh, cross-dresser um, with the beard. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get together and hang out, which is kind of cool. And they have a funeral for York's mom, Congresswoman mm-hmm. Brown. WWJD. What would Jackie do? What would Jackie do? That's what yeah, that's what she says. I love it. Um I do like uh no annoying refractory period, you know. It's not like I lose interest after the first pop. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. But yeah, so they do that. Also, and they <laughs> go ahead. During the funeral mm-hmm. they realize that there are rats around again. This like implication that even without interference, nature is starting to, like, right itself in some capacity. Yeah. How did that happen? They said that, she's like, ah! That they thought the rats had died off years ago, because like you were saying, there was they have such a short lifespan, and if they can't make more of themselves, then they're just done. Mm-hmm. But these rats that they see look, they see look young, um, and they're both like, "Whoa, that's crazy!" Yeah. Um, so it does allude to the fact that nature would just pick up and be like, "Oh, well, we need to do this." So then mm. they change. Is there's, there a frog or there's something? A, there's fish. There's frogs, frogs. There's birds. I'm pretty sure. That there's can... there's precedent for different types of species changing their sex in order to, to... continue the species. On. Yeah. So this isn't the most far-fetched things, as far as I know, if someone is biology people and wants to correct me, we've never seen that phenomenon in mammals. mammals. Right. So this is a little out there, but, yeah. like, there is precedent for this in nature. Right. But also, you know, maybe there's a rat that eats monkey poop, and then it came to on a ship to America and mated with a rat that was there. and You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if, mon- if magical monkey poop is the thing that keeps you from <laughs> dying as a male, theoretically, places where monkeys yeah. exist, yeah. unless it's, like, specifically... No, it, it, was, like, specifically it was specifically ampersand. Was it? Yeah, yeah because um, Dr. Man's dad put a virus in him to try and get Dr. Mm. Man to lose her baby... But Ampersand got lost in transit, so then he just had Toyota poison her. So whatever that was that he put in Ampersand protected your Okay. Well, Um, then my thought doesn't really work. But but it does, though. Because if there are rats in New York, which, hello, there are, they could... Yeah. Potentially have become immune based on Ampersand's poop, and then that would possibly be spread. Yeah. There would be a possibility. Yeah. After we get to hang out with Waverly and Bobby a little bit, we keep going with um, some characters that we get to see again from earlier comics. And we get to see the, uh, what is it, the Fish and Bicycle bicycle. group. And now they're making movies. Mm -hmm. So good for them. But uh, it didn't really work out. They get their car stolen from the last girls, little girls with a pink, actual pink gun. And they decide to make a comic and to get the story out there that that she has bubbling in her head. And it's a story of the last woman on Earth. 
and all the other women die, and it's just a woman left. Um, that story would and, go much differently than this story. And it's called I Am Woman. Let me tell and, you uh, what, friends. Yeah. Um, that story honestly would not go very far, because in actuality, she would be locked up somewhere and be a baby-making farm. Like, that is what would happen if there was only one woman left We on would her. hope not. We would, but, but. I, I'm telling you realistically, it takes one dude finding out who even has a small amount of badness in him. And I mean, I guess the same thing technically could happen to Yurik, but I just... I don't know. It seems like it'd be a little less likely. Yeah, it seems way more likely in a situation where there's only one woman. Yeah. I don't know. That just the thought of that makes me very scared for she looks like Yeah, she looks like a badass. But But also it's a story, so she she can tell it in any way she wants, and in a world where there are no longer men, she gets to play with the ideas of what would happen if Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Also, Yurik's response to the comic, he's talking to I'm 355 while he's reading this I Am Woman comic, and she's, like, demanding him to evaluate it? Like, is it good or is it not? You're an English major. You should know. Yeah. And his response is, meh. Yeah. (laughs) Meh. To, against an image of the I Am Woman character going into the sunset on a horse. (laughs) Yeah. So it's this kind of, like, what if this, what if Why the Last Man had been created as a woman's story? Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a meta-commentary on, like, people are interested in Why the Last Man. But would they be interested in I Am Woman? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I love, yeah. I would be interested in I Am Woman. I'd be afraid. I would just be very afraid for what would realistically happen. Like, but yeah. also in a fantasy setting, it would be very different, especially mm-hmm. if it was someone who had a special set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're trying to get to Paris. They blow up a train. <laughs> Casually, we just blow up a train. It's fine. Yeah, at this point in the story... It's fine. Honestly, blowing up a train it is, like, the least, least of our... Yeah. yeah. And they do... I mean, they kind of do it casually. They get in a fight with some uh, some uh, women on the train, and 355's like, ah, I'm gonna do this thing. And then they're just like, yeah, yeah, nice punch back there, by the way. And he's yeah. like, oh, I've had a good teacher. And they're like, yeah. And they're just sitting on the blown up part of the train, like, just, like, having a casual conversation. Just ca- casual But, like, you know, when after your, all your adventures, I mean, that's probably, like, oh, God, again? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we blew up another train. Also, <sighs> like, they're kind of assholes. Like, we're in this dystopian world where, like, all this stuff has to be such finite resources, and they're just like, let me just casually blow up this train. Like, train. you're a jerk. Do you know how many people probably, like, rely on this train for things? Yeah. We see other Beth, Beth Jr., Natalia, uh, Siba, Vlad, Vlad, and Hero all hanging out in Paris. Because mm-hmm. they're, yeah. Why did they go to Paris? Because they found out that that's where they needed to go to find original Beth. York was able to make a phone oh, call okay. to the hot suite and Why tell don't them. they care about original Beth? They're trying to find York again. Oh, so they're so just where, trying to get back to York. Yeah, so right. they're so trying where to, original Beth is, York, York will be also. Why, yeah, York why will do get they there. care about York? Um, Besides the fact that he's the last man on Earth. Or is because he's the father of the, the baby. Oh, okay. And Hero just wants to see him again. And okay. I think Natalia won't leave Vladimir because he's the last son of Russia. And Siva's the mom, so she's going to go along, and she wants to stay with the other woman who has a baby, because... Makes sense. Mom's got to stick together. Mm-hmm. So they're just kind of like a little unit now, and they just kind of, like, hop around. It's this little four-person unit <laughs> I guess we will go from Kansas to Paris to see one lady's brother and the other baby's dad. Yeah. Sure. That's a thing. It's fine. 
Mm-hmm. Well, also they're running because of uh, yeah, Alter. and Alter is chasing, chasing them. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Alter is an asshole. So they're hanging out. They go to Paris. Everybody's in Paris now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in Paris. What's the key to oh, York and um, three fifty five has some interesting conversations, and she gifts him the scarf she's been working on since like almost the beginning. Oh yeah, of when this he pointed out that she thing. Knits. yeah. She's been working on it, and she's like, yeah, well, I've, I've messed up a couple of times, so I've had to start over. Because he's like, oh, it took you five years to do this? And she's like, well, you know. Um, but Knitting she, is hard. Yeah. So she gives it to him, and then she just disappears, and he turns around, and there's Beth. The Beth that he's been searching for for five, five years, years is just fucking standing there in the middle of Paris. My little donut post, he says, Beth! <laughs> um, but, like, the kiss scene where she finally kisses him, and they finally find each other, he's... He's just, like, he's shocked. He's not, like, reciprocating, so. Mm. I don't know. But, yeah. And then, uh, 355 goes and finds a dress in a shop, and York has some sexy fun times with Beth. Uh, which, is this the point where he finds out? Mm-hmm. After sexy fun times? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He finds out that Beth was gonna break up with him five years ago on and the phone get, call? Yeah, and he gets upset. It's so frustrating because she was going to break up with him. And then because he's the last man, all of a sudden it's like, no, never mind. You're good enough for That's, me now. He actually it's says totally that. fine. He says that. He says, so you would have said no to the man, but yes to the last man. And she's like, no, it's not like that. And he's like, well, no, it's exactly it's like, like that. that. That's yeah. exactly what just happened. Yeah. So he he's like, nah, and he, he leaves her. Yeah, it's another beautifully drawn set of panels. Yeah, just how they did a really good job with the paneling in this. Yes, and, and spacing it so you you can flip the page and get the surprise. Yeah, like it's, the it's flow really of it is yeah. so good. Also, in this scene, he leaves because she's like, "I was going to break up with you." And this comic is super weird about how it treats time. Yeah. Like, time moves very weirdly. It jumps back and forth. It's three minutes ago. It's two hours ago. It's now. It's 60 years in the future. But this scene where he leaves and Beth is just standing, she seems, like, in shock that he's left. She stands there for, on the page, there's, like, five stacked panels that show that, like, the light is changing in the sky. Mm -hmm. But, like, her position doesn't change. And then she thinks that Yurik's coming back and it's... Hero, hero instead but i just thought i loved this page because mm-hmm. it's so interested in time and how weird time can be yeah. especially with like memory that this page is just like amazing yeah yeah i really like it yeah it's especially if you're in shock over something you don't necessarily feel or see the time passing right and so she she is she's just standing there and you, yeah that's it's beautiful the way the light and the it comes in and then the light that's on the desk gets gets overtaken by the light from the window, and it's re- it's just beautifully done. This oh, comic yeah. is really, really well drawn. It is. It's, it's so really gorgeous. well drawn. So it's so gorgeous. Good job to all the artists for this. Okay. But you're right, that is a beautiful little scene. Mm-hmm. So after we um, find out Beth... Hero, uh, oh, they get to introduce uh, Beth to other Beth and Beth Jr., so the three Beths have now found each other. Oh, the Beths. The Bethception. The Beth Beth Trio. The Beth Trio. <laughs> um, and you're supposed <coughs> to find um, 355, tracks her down. And at the same time, Alter is tracking down the group of women with the babies. Mm-hmm. And then they're captured. Alter's threatening the, the kids and the babies and all that stuff. And 355 and York are having a heart-to-heart. And she tells him his her real name, like seconds, seconds before she gets shot in the fucking forehead. 
so upset. This is another time I had to walk away from it and, like, come back to mm-hmm. it later. I read it, and then I had to flip back. And I'm like, wait, flip for Nope. Flip back. Fuck, that really did happen. Yep. Damn it. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Mm-hmm. And it's not even that they're necessarily, like, having, like, a heart-to-heart. It's that they're having this moment where their, like, unacknowledged love for each other is, like, allowed to, like, take up space. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're allowed to acknowledge it. And he says, like, you're the reason why I chose to live and I gave up my suicide rant. And then she's gone. Yeah. And that was Alter, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, was it, it Alter herself or... Alter herself said she did it, but I don't know for sure if it was her. We just know it's someone under her command. It might have been. No, I think it is her. Is it? Because in this panel, her hair and the hat, and then her hair and the hat, and then with the It looks like her in the panel, but honestly, I I don't know if I could say for certain. Mm -hmm. Because some of her other soldiers look similar to her as well, so. But it does look like her, and later she claims responsibility for it, so. But yeah, it's... And then 35 (coughs) is gone. You're right, and it is a very... You were saying earlier how it's a very radical change from what she's like 90% of the time, and then then she she dresses up for Yurik, basically. She she doesn't know Yurik was going to come there. She dressed up for herself. Oh, was that what it was? Because she gave away her gun to the dressmaker, and she got the dress and the shoes, because she left Yurik at at the place in Paris to meet mm-hmm. Beth. And then she went and got the dress for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she was not planning that York was going to be there. He surprised her. Oh, okay. Because like, she's like, how did you find me? And he's like, well, I had a good teacher. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> right. Um, but I do think there's something to be said that, like, why why does she need to be in a dress when she dies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She spent the entire series being set up as this, like, very masculine character in a lot yeah. of ways. And she... Like, this death feels very insincere to me. Yeah. That she dresses up and she's in high heels and a dress when she dies. There was no there was no setup for it. It, w- it wasn't this thing of like, oh man, I really miss wearing dresses, but I, I can't because it's easier to do X, Y, and Z in pants. Or like anything. There was no little snippets that would then make this feel genuine. Right. So I agree with you. I yeah. think it it seemed like a choice made by the the writer or creator to I don't know if it was necessarily made to make the panels look prettier and more shocking or if it was just a like we have to feminize her for the death or what yeah. it was, but I kind of thought it was she had to be feminized for Yurik to confess her his love. Yeah. That there's this weird like like um heterosexual thing going on there mm-hmm. where like in order for this situation to work, she has to be, like, legible in this feminine way for him. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Because she wasn't like that for Dr. Mann when they had their thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I guess also, when, I, oh, when I saw it, I guess it was more... Sorry, I didn't mean to step away. Um, I guess when I saw it, it was more of her accepting and remembering her history. Because when she gets that dress, she has a conversation with the tailor about how her dad was a tailor. And then you follow along with that. And so she's in this this dress. She trades for it. She's like, this this craftsmanship is really great. Yada yada. Talking, basically talking shop with with the tailor. Gets the dress, wears the dress. And then we also see her tell her name, which is something that she had been very, very adamant she was not going to do. That she, and she makes a, he makes a comment about, well, I thought you said that pre-355 was dead. And she said, well, I thought she was. And so to me, it felt less of feminizing her and more her coming to terms with the identity she no longer has, but sometimes wants. That's how I read it. I can definitely see that. I can see both sides of it. Yeah. But I think it's hard because there wasn't more setup for that. 
it made it feel not as not as sincere. That was a good word for it. But it does spur Yorick into confronting the altar mm-hmm. when she shows up. So yeah, she shows up and he's got uh, 355's baton, the thing that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, they have a fight and he does not do 100% great, but does come out on top. And he could have done a lot of things at the end there. He could have shot her. He could have done some things, but he doesn't. He just puts stuff down and says enough and walks away. He pistol whips her and then says, yeah, and just, I'm, I'm done. done. Enough. Mm-hmm. No more. And, uh, all the other, uh, Israelis were just like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, Alright. I guess we'll be done then. Yeah. Yep. Do we ever get resolution of what happens with Alter though? Uh, I don't think so. Because I don't remember us. We don't. That's just kind of the end for her. It also seems kind of weird that Alter just leaves it at that. Like, it doesn't... Well... Just because he's done doesn't mean she's done. And I thought that was a little strange. Well, I mean, maybe the other soldiers were like, okay, you know... Let's, we see what we're we yeah. see what you're doing now, and we're not going to keep following that. Right. But it still feels like something that Alter would have pursued, even if yeah. she didn't necessarily have the same resources as right. she did before. I don't know. Yeah. It just seemed a little odd that the, like that was just the end that of was it. It. It, w- it was, I don't know, it felt again like when a man says he's, it's over, then it's over. Yeah. And the woman doesn't really get a choice in it. And that's a little bit, I get that, that feeling a little bit from that. Yeah. I feel like the wrap-up for this wasn't as strong, but I think that's also because we are following the only mm. male character. So we're getting the wrap-up from his point of view, so I think it's always going to feel a little bit like, yeah. the man says it's done, so it's done, but that's kind of the nature of the narrator that we've got. Right. Yeah. And then uh, he's sad by a fountain. He doesn't look like he's crying, but maybe he was. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the the Beth's and hero when everybody finds him, and then they realize that 355 is gone, and then we get to jump 60 years into the future. Which is a big jump. Which is a big jump. I don't. It it definitely wasn't something I was expecting from the um, the way that this was. I mean, this comic probably could have went kept going and given a lot of that between that point and the sixty years. But I also like that they were like, okay, this is kind of where his story ends. You know, his adventures kind of end here, and then do they stay in Paris? Uh, where, yes. Where's the okay? They stay in Paris because Baby Beth is now the president of Paris. So that's kind of cool. And she's an old woman. But there's a picture of her and other Beth in the background. Mm -hmm. It's cute. But she talks about taking care of her father and making sure that he doesn't kill himself because he's had some suicide attempts and stuff like that. And he's got like a dozen monkeys with him. (laughs) Uh, It's casual. Yeah, it's fine. There's a few flashbacks of him like going to visit Hero and Beth DeVille, the original Beth. He'd be in his 90s, right? He was... Okay, so he was 21 when the series started. So he'd be... So five more... Five years on top of that, he'd be 26 or 27 when the series ends. So he'd be in his 80s. When 355 dies. So he's in his 80s. So that's 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 doable. Yeah, that makes sense. I was just curious, like... Yeah, that works out. Yeah, yeah. That plays out. Yeah. Um, but he visits, yeah, visits Hero and Beth, original Beth, who are together as a couple. Mm-hmm. They're protecting something. Lionesses. Lionesses. Yes. Lionesses in the outback. Or not outback, uh, Africa somewhere. Mm-hmm. He visits, uh, Dr. Man and Rose. Dr. Man has died, but all of her clones are hard at work, working on cloning. Also, I love that her and Rose were together this like, whole time. Right? Mm-hmm. They found each other. Mm-hmm. It's so nice. There is something to be said about popular culture that queer romance often does not get a happy ending. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it has to end poorly. Yeah. And it is nice that in this series that the m- main heterosexual relationships that are developed, so the one from between Yurik and Beth that is sustained, and then um, the relationship between 355 and Yurik are the relationships that ultimately have to fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these incredible relationships, like between Rose and Dr. Mann, and between... Um, Hero and Beth. Hero and Beth, like, get to be happy. Yeah. yeah. They get happy endings. Which is great. It's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. He also takes Ampersand to 355's memorial or grave. I'm not sure. So Ampersand would be dead. Well, that not is, six, this, is, this flashback. is a flashback. Okay. I was so, like, Ampersand would be dead Amp- in 60 I mean, years. Like, York's got a white beard, so I'm assuming he's probably in his 40s or 50s at mm-hmm. this point. Which is still a real long life for one of those monkeys, so yeah. I'm unsure. Capuchin's lifespans are not... But again, he was infected with a weird virus, so maybe that changed his lifespan. And how old was he when York first got him? He could have been, like, a year old. Yeah. So, like, eh, I mean, He you seemed could... really young in the beginning because it it's weird, but there are a few panels from later where the, he looks older, which is weird to say about a monkey, yeah. but they so... can actually live up to 25 years. Oh, right? okay. But still, I mean, if he should go from... He would have had to be just born. It's stretching it. Captive monkeys can reach 45 or older. Oh, there we go. Maybe that's uh, it. Well, maybe you took really, really good, good care, care of him. in the apocalypse. I would. Like, yeah. Amber Sand's the gem of this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only reason that guy lived, so. Um, yep. But then 60 years, York's, what, 80-something? Mm-hmm. Um, he gets visited by one of his clones, mm-hmm. uh, York Brown, number 17, and uh, uh, escapes because he's an escape artist. And he escapes and jumps out a window. Sure, why not? But the last the last panel with his straight jacket up in the air creating the Y is really very cool. nice. Very yeah. Nice. Very nice. It um, is a little weird that they decided to put him in a straight jacket in a room with a bunch of monkeys because he was having suicidal ideation. It's a little strange to me. I felt like that was back to the beginning where he was in the straight jacket. I feel, yes, I understand the cyclicalness of the comic, but just talking about it from a mental health perspective, that just seems kind of odd. You can't say that like there are other options, especially sixty years past. What? Yeah, like, just used to say that he didn't put himself. He might have done it. Yeah, that's true. As the escape artist that he is. Yeah, it might have just been a thing. Yeah, because throughout the, sh- the 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 comic, you see him putting himself into various restraints and such, and getting himself out of it. It's like his. It's like his fun little game he plays. Yeah. I'm sorry. My brain just went another BDSM thing, but that wasn't it at all. It was just that was just him. But I just had that flash of like Seven Eleven and this whole like BDSM culture type thing. But Shibari and hanging from the roof, right? Also, I think that like he's supposed. The point is that in the end, he still escapes. Yeah, right. You have to have given something to like ultimately escape from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Overall, I love this series. Mm-hmm. I've read it two and a half times now, and I'll probably pick it up again another time. It's really easy to grab it all from the library, so mm-hmm. it's totally 100% worth a read. Yeah. So, I just read it for the first time for this episode last night, and it was really good. Brian K. Vaughn is one of my favorite comic book authors. Everything that he does is great. He did Runaways. He did this. He did uh, a series called Pride. He writes Saga, which is just oh, saga so spectacular. So good. We need we can, to do Saga sometime. Oh, we can it's talk about it. 
That's so long. It yeah, and it's still I don't going. Know if the isn't hiatus it? is over or not yet? Is it okay? They're bringing it. He's also he was writing um or is writing Paper Girls. Paper Girls is good. I've is read also... the first couple of trades of Paper Girls, and it's quite it's very strange. And another one that plays with time a lot, like this one does, where you don't quite know what time you're in or what's going oh, yeah. on. Is that the one you're good? teaching on? Yes, okay. I have been teaching that one. Mm-hmm. But I also do want to point out that this is yet another time when it, this time an entirely male group of creators creates a narrative about a bunch of young women. Yeah, it is a little strange. Yeah. It, again, it, it it's the same squidgy feeling that I got from this, where I'm like, you're a dude writing about women and experiences that you can't possibly know about. You can em- uh, sympathize with, but you can never empathize with. Like, mm-hmm. you can yeah. logically and intellectually understand, but emotionally and actually going through that, it's not a thing that you can do. Right. So it's kind of hard. But, I mean, again, overall... This is so good. Such a good series. It's so good. It it such good buttons that they push and things that are represented and you know good representation of different people and cultures and ideas and it's just good. It's yeah. good. It's a fun it's read. Uh, it reads fast too. Oh, once yeah. you get into it, you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. and you're involved. It and is you're, engaging. You go. Yeah. Yeah. When I first got it from the library, I got like one through three, and I poured through it in like one day, and I'm like. Damn it! <laughs> Run! Uh, uh, you know, so, um, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Morgan, thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. This yeah. has been so much fun. We're <laughs> so excited to have you. And we're going to do another episode with Morgan. It's going to come out after this one. Yes. Yeah. Where we'll talk to her more about what she is doing and um, get more into what it's like to study comics. Because that, for me, is like... The most fascinating thing I've ever heard. When Kate told me, she was like, yeah, I have a friend and she studies comics. And I was like, that's a thing? You can do that? I want to do that. That's cool. (laughs) So really excited about that. So uh, keep tuned in because we will be talking more with Morgan and we're super excited about it. So thank you for listening to this episode of Femme Fandom. If you would like to get in touch with us with ideas from this episode, comments, questions, concerns, or ideas for future episodes, you can email us at femfandompod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at femfandompod. And you can also follow our producer, Rick. It's Rick J. Lackey, right? Sure is. I'm so good. You can follow me, Megan, at Callie Rome. You can follow me, Kate, at Geekery and Coffee. You can follow me, Fern, at Fern Fandom. You can follow me, Morgan, at Morgan Pedraza. And thanks, as always, to our editor, Kate. She is wonderful and does all of the hardest work, and we appreciate it so, 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 so much. So until next time, remember, no matter what the fandom, you're not alone. Bye. Someday I'll quit procrastinating my editing, though. <laughs> <laughs> someday, but not today. Today is not that day. Today is not but that someday. day. someday. <laughs>